Hello, you lovely, lovely people, and welcome to the BJJ Strength Podcast. Today, I'm bringing you the first person that's been a guest on the show two times, and that's John Smith of the Grappling Life Podcast. Well, he's not of the Grappling Life Podcast, he's John Smith, but um, you know he also runs the Grappling Life Podcast, which is how we've got to know each other pretty well over the last couple of months, and uh, we don't really give an intro for John um, in this show. We kind of just get into the conversation straight away. So John is, he's a jiu-jitsu brown belt, um, but he, he's got a really interesting story if you haven't listened to the, the first part interview with him, where over the 10 or so years of his training jiu-jitsu, 75% of that time has been based in Afghanistan because he's been on rotations in and out of the country through um, through the work that he's done both in the military He's an ex-British military and also the work that he did for about a decade with private um, security work in in the country. Um, You know, incredibly knowledgeable grappler, very deep into strength and conditioning for jiu-jitsu as well. But this show takes a little bit of a different different turn. Um, After the first time I interviewed John, not not long after that, he was involved in an incident as part of his security work in in Kabul, Afghanistan, where um, he uh, he ended up getting shot in in the right hand, um, and medvaced out of the country, and he's now fully, you know, fully back in the UK. So things have changed a lot for John, and he he talks a little bit about the story here. Um, I'm gonna in the show description, I'm gonna link to the specific episode where he goes into more detail of what happened to him um, during that incident. Which I think is, you know, definitely definitely worth a listen if you want to get more into more into that story. But what you know, so we hear about what happened to John, but then we we talk about his road to recovery and you know how he's dealt with kind of the the mental um the mental aspects of not being able to train jiu jitsu. Something that's been such a big part of his life, the road to recovery that he's got there. You know, a complete change in his routine, not being able to do the strength and conditioning work. Um, and I think. For a number of different reasons, you know, people will find, you know, will find that story valuable and, you know, how he's dealt with some of those things. Um, but also one of, one of, one of the things that's, that's really interesting about, you know, John's story is as he's talking about what happened during that event, there are a lot of, you know, tactical decisions he's made, he, he is making, and you know, hear him talk about this um, in terms of, you know, task-oriented decision-making, quick judgment calls, trained decisions, and the number one principle of defense being an offensive spirit. And we talk a little bit about it in the show as well, about, you know, how then that, you know, can directly translate into, into jiu-jitsu and many other areas of life. So I think that's going to be a really interesting and insightful uh, conversation for you to, to listen through. We touch on some other stuff as well. Um, my my youngest daughter makes the first guest appearance on the show. She hijacked, hijacked the office. We talk about the Hicks and Gracie, not Hicks and Gracie, sorry, Cron Gracie fight that just happened and you know hopefully some other some really good stuff so i'm i'm as always right john i think is you know he's he's a great great guy um always love speaking to him and i think you're gonna take a lot from 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 this interview so i hope you enjoy it um and before we quickly get into the show if you haven't done so already and gone over to youtube.com forward slash bjj strength uh, i'd really encourage you to 
check out the channel that I have up online that has dozens of uh, videos for strength and conditioning, injury prevention, injury recovery, etc., etc., for jujitsu. So it's youtube.com forward slash BJJ Strength. Uh, head over and subscribe to the channel if you can, if you've got the time. But with that, guys, let's get on with it. You're listening to the BJJ Strength Podcast. Helping you be your best physically, on the mats, and off the mats. The BJJ Strength Podcast. With your host, BJJ Black Belt, and physical optimization specialist, Lawrence Griffiths. We're live. Hi. You got notes. You, 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 you just put your posh voice on. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> Am I allowed to cuss? You can you can swear all you want, mate. This is this is this is X rated. Um, I can't believe I had a posh voice came on then. Well, it's posh for you, mate. But I well, I suppose you do. I think people do anyway. You know, in the in certain environments, and I think it's um, I think it's natural when you're trying to blend in to a, yeah. to other environments and. So maybe that's what happened then, instinctively, when I found out I was live on air. Well, your parents do it. I remember, I remember my parents always used to do that, where um, the phone would ring. Oh, hello. Uh, no, he's not in right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, know. The my parents are scallies. I don't think we had a phone when I grew up. I don't think we had a phone. Used to get sent down down to like the, the local phone box to like phone your nan for me mum. It's ten p. I was taught how to I was taught how to get the ten pence back by kicking it really hard. I got the ten p back out the machine to bring back home for my mum. Yeah. We used to walk around and we'd ch- check we'd check all the phone boxes to see if anyone someone left change in there. Yeah, we did that. We did I that. I, I remember. Yeah, you know them ones with the remember the the circular. Yeah. That one. Like yeah, that. we had that one. I think. Yeah, I remember one of those. I remember one of those. I remember when I was about eleven or twelve, maybe eleven, and go into the go into the phone box to phone my girlfriend because I didn't want to use the house phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's bad, isn't it? Yeah, but then you call up and her parents would answer. Oh no, she's not in right now. And you're like, oh shit. She probably was. Don't probably know. was. Yeah, motherfucker's phoning again. She was dodging me. Yeah, or oh, they went. They didn't want you to fucking around there. That's what it'll be. Yeah, um, she's, not, she's not in right now. She's sitting there going, "That fucking Lauren's never phoned me again." <laughs> Eleven years old, but you see it these days, right? People are, de- you know, they've, they 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 um, text in and ah, oh, you know, I'm so, I make I'm making myself sound like I'm seventy years old, right? I'm thirty six. I'm not that old, but it's got to be much much harder to be a teenager with. So I see my niece, she's 14 and she's all over social media. She's had a phone for a few years, Snapchat, and it's like, shit, man, I couldn't deal with that. You've got to have, if you've got a good self-esteem, then you know, you can, it's good. But if you've got a low self-esteem. Yeah. I brought up cyberbullying to the kids the other day. Yeah. So I said, if you fucking cyberbully anyone, I'm murderers, man. Because it was on the news the other day about this, um, this guy, he was on the news and he's talking about his kids and he was saying like how social media needs to do more to prevent this cyberbullying. They've got to take responsibility for it. And 
it's so sad this guy's son had killed himself. And I was like, and my kids are awesome, do you know what I mean? They, not, yeah. they don't go out, they, but they do, they're online a lot. And I was like, you motherfuckers. And they're like, get the wrong stance on it. They're like, it's not real. There's no such thing as cyberbullying. You just block them. And I had to debrief them and go, oi, this shit's real. Yeah. This is real. People are, ki- young kids are killing themselves because of this stuff. Yeah. But that's, that is what comes with this social media now. And there's different dangers where, you know, when we were kids, the danger was getting beat up by another gang because I was walking in the wrong area. And they don't have that sort of threat now. The threat they have is getting, you know, abuse and bullying online. It's hard, yeah. And there is, you know, I know we'll talk about your ventures into social media because I know you're into Instagram, right? But even now as a 36-year-old and using social media predominantly for a business purpose, you still put stuff out and you're like, why hasn't anyone liked what I said? What, oh, I should I should have a thousand views already, and you and you and you think that everybody really cares about what you know how you look. Oh, and you look at the video. Oh, my foot wasn't quite in the right position for that kettlebell swing. Most people don't either don't care or don't notice. And 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 you're in that. And I think there's there's a lot of sites. Uh, psychological research that when you're as you go through a development stage when you're in kind of your early teens early to mid teens you think everybody cares about uh, or they can almost read your mind right they, they know what you're thinking and they really care about you know how you look and blah 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 but as you get older you don't realize so it's a very you're at a very vulnerable stage in terms of the development as well and that kind of shit does mm. Yeah, it does, and ca- like you, you prove you, know, you can prove the point with the people that have killed themselves, right? Um, and is it to- is it to- Tony Blair that's been more? Because he's he's a VP for Facebook now, right, in the UK. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and 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 Facebook have come under some stick in the UK because they weren't pulling down stuff that I, I don't know. I don't know the details of it, but pulling stuff down where it's material that is supportive of suicide. Wild. That's wild, man. How was that out there? How was that not regulated, you know? It's ridiculous. Kids are so they're so impressionable these days. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. Um, it's we've we started on quite a quite an interesting topic, but do you know do you know you're the you're the first person? I think you're the first person to be interviewed twice on the show. You can't see me. I'm raising my hands in victory right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. And um but think things have changed a lot, right? Things have changed a lot since we last spoke. Yeah. Um I'm now permanently well, semi permanently, I don't know how to describe myself. I'm displaced maybe. Displaced. Um, yeah, I'm back <laughs> in the UK. Um came back to the UK in no uh sorry, December. Um I had a little accident in work in November, the very end of November, and I was sent, I was flown home um, for some sort of, rec- well, for, for recovery period. So right now I'm just sat at home in limbo, waiting for my injuries to heal. And then I will see what sort of, what steps I'm going to take next. Was it your right hand? Your right hand? Yeah, that was very, uh, I didn't really give you so much info there. Just, yeah, it's my right hand that's hurt. 
I okay. would you like me to go into the incident now? Well, uh, yeah, so I, I okay, think... Okay, I can do that for you. It's not a problem. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, you've got... So, so John has got, obviously, on his show, the Grappling Life podcast, what episode number is it that you actually go through uh, the full retelling? I think, it's, I think it's 64, but it's labelled as Kabul Incident. What, I think, what I'll do, I'll give an overview of everything that happened, but not going... And if anyone wants to detail um, what went on, my sort of mindset during that night, because that's what it is. Yeah. And a few people got the wrong impression of what I did. Um, my work did. Um, my, my line managers, I'll call them line managers, higher up sort of um, project manager and so on, uh, country manager. They got really upset over it. Um, and I got in touch with them and just said, listen, you, have you listened to it yet? If you haven't, you should. Mm-hmm. And everything I've said is open source. And I'm just giving you my point of view from a personal point of view, which which will be different from every other man. So I've done nothing wrong, but and they, they got upset about it. Um, a, I think there's a few things in there that he didn't want released. Well, that's un, unfortunately for them, it's unlucky, you know. Yeah. This is, this is my personal account of it. And it won't yeah. be my only account of it. There's going to be more. Yeah. There's going to be other account of it there will be because it's not, obviously, the internet hasn't finished, the investigation hasn't finished. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, so what, what basically happens, um, Working in Kabul, don't I? And the guys who've seen me on the on this podcast will know. Working in Kabul as a security contractor. And one night, I think it was the 28th of November, the camp got attacked by a Taliban force. They initially set off a device which was hidden inside a water tanker at the front gate. 2,000 pounds estimated. That's the biggest one I've been in. I've been, my, my vehicle's been blown up from, a, from an IED. I've been involved in other IEDs, but this was a big fella. And I've got some CCTV footage. I will send it to you later mm. um, on WhatsApp, just for you. And it looks like a nuke's gone off from a mile away from someone else's CCTV that caught it randomly. Wow. It was a big fella. It knocked me sort of, it knocked me to the floor. I think I was about 100, 100 plus meters away from it. The blast, I initially thought it was like a rocket attack. You were a hun- you were a hundred meters away from it. Yes, but there is buildings between me as well. Yeah. Know, and it's it's going on, it's 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 on the outside of a blast wall, but wow, wow, Lawrence, it was big. I, yeah. I thought it was next to me. I literally thought a rocket landed next to me with the flash hitting me. And wait you see the visual of it and it knocked me back into this building and it knocked my mate Jay 20 meters. We were picking up our kimonos from the laundrette for the, for the nighttime training. Yeah. Literally, like that, I had them like over my shoulder. And that knocked me the fuck out. I remember being on the floor, like in like a fetal position and sort of locals picking me up and it was just shit everywhere, all over me. And pitch black now. It was, it was in the evening anyway, so it was very dark. And for some reason, my name was. I don't know if they checked the weather, the Taliban, they checked the weather because they were very savvy because it was um, a lot of mist for that mm. time of night, which was very unusual. Yeah. And it sort of it aided them coming in visually, it visually impaired us with the smoke. Um, and I suppose you could say it would impair them too. You know, that's true. Um, but we were at that disorientation. Anyway, got myself up. I look for my MHA. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I was like... I had my phone torch out. I was looking for him shouting, Jay. I thought, oh shit, he's been vaporized. Fuck. I took Jay out. Jay's pink mist. He wasn't. Motherfucker was in his room getting his kit on. 
<laughs> I was like, you didn't search for me. I searched for you, man. <laughs> I gave you at least 30 seconds looking for you. You didn't, where was you? You didn't, I didn't hear you shouting, John. With your iPhone? Yeah, I was looking for him. Jay, Jay, anyone see Jay? I said, you bastard, you didn't look on social media, Jay. He said, I did. You weren't next to me, so when I got my kit. So anyway, that's just a little joke, personal joke between us now. <laughs> I've just told the whole world. It's not personal anymore. <laughs> so I went and grabbed my rig. I knew my job. So my job that night was the quick reaction force. And I was the breach team commander. So if there's a breach in the camp, I will go forward and stop that breach. Mm. Right now, I just, me personally, I just think it's a rocket attack. So my head is thinking casualties, cordons, clearance up. Things I've done before, pretty basic. So I've got my rig on. Everybody's sort of doing their own, getting the stuff together, getting the kit on, head torches on and stuff like that. Radio checks are going on. All quick stuff. It doesn't take long to do this. Yeah. Um, weapon check, weapon made ready, pistol made ready. Goes outside. My team is a team of four. I'm the commander of that team of four. The rest of the, the, the team I belong to become part of like sort of the support network for me. They will provide security around the area. And if there is a breach, I can go forward. Everyone's got a job. Everyone's got a job to do. Everybody, yeah. Everybody's got a job detail to them. So we goes outside. I go to count off my guys. One, two, three, me. Where's the fourth guy? He's, he's not there. So, okay, you can't wait forever. He could have been knocked out. We can deal with that later. I can get someone else if needs be. We go to the RV point. At the RV point, I meet the other team leaders, right? What's going on? What we're doing? What do we know? Next minute, doo -doo 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 -doo. AK goes off. So, fuck. Here we go. And that's the time where you get G's up. You're like, yes, it's on. Can you, can you tell it's an AK from the sound of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah. Um, and and it's just gunfire. I don't go in. To be honest, it's not, oh, that's an AK. I know it's an AK because I know that's what the enemy use. Yeah, okay. machine gunfire. You know, it's automatic yeah. fire. Yeah. I'm like, that is, the, that is the indicator we have a breach. So, mm. again, I've only got the three guys because the other guy didn't turn up. Um, and, and that's not a big... People got upset over this when I mentioned this, apparently. It's not a big sticking point with me. It's not. It, it didn't make no difference whether I had him or not. That individual can live with his actions. He can live with whatever he said he or said and where what he did. That's up to him. He has to live with that. But the three of us were like, left. we're good to go. Um, we did the old bro. I think we did a bro fist with the other team commander. I'll catch you later, mate. And he's like, okay, because he knows what he's got to do and he knows what I've got to do. He is now going to go and put into like a protective ring of steel and I'm going to go out and look for these guys. So we now become, in essence, an assault group, an assault force. We're going to push forward and fight. Um, and that's what we did. Um, as always, I'd never ask anyone to go in front. So I went, I'm the commander. The commander should never really be the first man. He shouldn't really be. So, mm. you know, point man, weapon in the shoulder, pitch black, smoke everywhere, mist everywhere, which is freaky, Limit, uh, limited availability, 10 meters, and gunfire going off. Let's go towards the gunfire. It's not your average day for, you know, the normal. For anyone, for anyone. For anyone, it's not. Um, but, you know, there's a task, and as long as you, you task-orientate things and not look at things emotionally, then you can get on with things really easy. Okay, let's go and do it. 
and the guys that were with me were cool too. They all knew the, they knew the risks and they were willing to go. So no sweat there. And we, we pushed forward single file until we got engaged. Um, I'd only seen a muzzle flash, but it was um, an, a, a, a big rate of fire, um, a big burst. I think what, what makes it worse is we're in these little rat runs and small alleyways and walkways. So the mm -hmm. sound of automatic fire is enhanced massively because mm -hmm. the sound bounces off buildings. Um, if you don't know if you've had an AK fire anyway, normally it's quite loud too. But when it's that in that environment, it just, whoa. Yeah. So you, and you can feel sounds. I know it sounds mad. You can feel that. You can feel that rate of fire coming at you. It sounds mad, but we quickly ducked into cover and to, we, we had the luxury of a bit of cover by us. Now this covers, um, it's, it's, it's prefab metal. <laughs> so it's not really cover, but it's cover from view. Yeah. It's not really cover from fire. We ducked behind, I was point man, return fire. I then got another massive rate of fire, which was too much for me. Uh, it's not a problem with me admitting that it was too much. So I had to sort of get myself out of cover, keep my same aim point and just pull my head back and just mm -hmm. retain fire still. So there was a, a bit of blind fire there uh, for a second. And I've always gone against that. Okay. Yeah. Not, it's not in my rule book to do that. Yeah. But I've never been in a situation where I've been sort of, I'm the, in the only individual firing at this time. And it was too much for me to retain. And we're talking yeah. 10 meters. We're having a 10 meter gunfight now. That close. This is close range stuff. Mm. So we return fire. Um, we, we stopped them firing, which is that was, that's, that's what we needed to do. And, we, need, and we, we held them in that location. That's all. That's, that's my sole aim. And to stop them getting closer to the guys and the clients who are sort of organizing themselves. Now, if we were a little, if we were one minute slower than we were, those guys would have been on top of us getting ourselves together. Yeah. And the, the weapons and, and sort of ordinance they had on them, it would, have been a, it would have been a massacre. Because where we sort of are vain, sort of sort ourselves out, we're, we're, in, we're, we're talking verbally, me and you, and now we're looking at each other verbally in a group, maybe yeah. four of us, and other guys are sorting themselves out. If they got on top of us then, that could have been a, you know, a quick night for them. And a painful night for the rest of us. Because your this 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 compound a compound has what about a hundred civilians in there? Yeah, roughly. Yeah. 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 So and what there's a lot of Nepalese in there who are meant to protect us, which they didn't do. They didn't do the job. They mm -hmm. left the weapons behind and ran for cover. Um, so there was I think about twenty out of us who were armed. Three of us who went looking for the fight. The rest of the guys getting them getting themselves into sort of like a defensive perimeter. Mm -hmm. So I've now stopped them getting close, which is which was my aim. From behind now, there's another sort of contact to my rear. I'm like, shit, got a contact to my front. Contact is me meeting the enemy. I hear gunfire to my rear, so I know there's enemy to my rear. What had happened was two enemy had circled us and engaged or this perimeter team had engaged them. So I'm sort of sandwiched between this two, these two groups of gunmen. Um, unfortunately, one of the other operators was, was killed in that engagement. Uh, extremely brave man. Um, who stood his ground and fought, you know, no questions asked. Um, and unfortunately he was hit and, and that's the risk we all take. Mm. That is the risk. 
Um, just after that, I see three men come running at me. Three dudes come running. I'm like, oh, fucking hell, the suicide bombers. Shit. So you've got to make these judgment calls really quick. And you've, you've got to be on the ball now. Now, do I shoot these three guys or do I not? Very quick, you've got to make that decision. Um, I've made the decision not to. And why, didn't I make, why did I make that? Well, if I was a suicide bomber, I wouldn't run with my two mates next to me because now I'm limiting my sort of radius of my explosive device. If I set one off, I'm going to kill the other two who've got them on. So that's useless. And I would be separate. That's a tactic I would use in their shoes. Um, how, 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 how quickly is this decision made? It's like in less than a second. Second. Less second. Than a second. Yeah. It's, be, it's, it's a trained decision. For anyone else, you might sit there and you might panic and go, oh my God, what is going on? It's just decision-making instantly. And it's through experience and training. Um, they came running at me. And, and also what pinged, I think, was the direction of where they came as well. Yeah. The speed of what they came at and the numbers, it just didn't sit right. What wasn't right with them, they didn't have no green lights. They're all meant, everyone's, we all have green lights. Now, we turned ours off because it was lighting me up. Mm. Um, so I think all the operators did because we, we trained with this force. So we're like, these are useless. We leave them off. But all the clients and the gapers all turn them on so we can identify who they are. They didn't have them on. So by rights, I should have engaged them and killed them. Yeah. It would have been the wrong decision. It was three Nepalese guys who were in panic stations. They didn't, they didn't do the trained response, which would have been grab the weapons, grab the armor, and go to a defensive position. They didn't mm -hmm. do that. They panicked and were running to a bunker for safety. You know, totally against what they were meant to do. Mm -hmm. Luckily for them, I didn't engage them. However, what that did then was set out in my mind. My decision cycle changed. Okay, now I'm going to have to shout a warning to people. Because I can't risk that happening again. Yeah. Told the guys now we are to engage anybody who doesn't have a green light on. And the guys looked at me and they're like, "Oh, they're worried too. Am I sure an innocent person? Nobody wants that on the conscience." So, we I give them right. We will give them a warning. <clears throat> we will track anybody. We'll track them with the weapons. We give them a warning. If they don't react to it, we just kill them. So that was the plan. Mm. Someone then moved into our site, into the 10-meter radius we could see. We tracked them. I tracked them left to right. Didn't have a light on. I shouted some sort of, I can't, I can't remember what I shouted, mate, to be honest. I can't really remember. I can't or something. The guy turned. seen his weapon. I engaged. As soon as I engaged, I was then engaged. I didn't hear the rounds. I just felt. I felt myself be hit, and I knew I'd been hit. I initially thought the guy I shot must have got a burst off. Mm -hmm. I now believe it was his oppo. Yeah. I believe you're working, you're working in pairs. Yep. So I've been hit now. Um, I went into cover. My oppo took over in my space. I moved back, assessed my injury. My guys started giving suppressive fire, engaging uh, the guys who were, to, who, were, who were in front of us. Um, and that was me getting hit. I took an AK-47 round into the right ring finger um luckily for me it didn't take the hand off now normally i would take a hand off but i think it's it's gone through a piece of prefab and uh, what the corner i was on it's come through the corner and that sort of slowed it down slightly because the the round stayed in my knuckle which was it stayed um, in the, 
Really? Oh yeah, it severed the ring finger, um, split it right in half. Um, obviously, I'm on video with Lawrence now, so I can show yeah. Lawrence. But it hit me here, severed it right off, and the round ended up up here somewhere. But looking at your hand now, it's incredible the difference from the photos that you sent me. It's oh, like yeah. You can see the scars, but it looks like it's it you're on the normal. right. Yeah. yeah, it looks normal. Wow. So, yeah, pretty much that was that getting shot. We then pretty much, we, we, we put some rapid fire down, suppressed, didn't get the guy who's engaged us. We then went to a, another set of quick battle orders between us. I worked out what I was going to do. We took a defensive position inside a building so I could give myself first aid because we started throwing grenades. <laughs> and it's funny when people go, yeah, fucking throwing grenades now, fuck's sake. Is, that like, a, is that like a, is that like a last resort typically? Uh, no, it was just them. They, they, they had um, they came in with AK, AKs, bags of uh, magazines, and a bag of grenades each. Mm. Um, so they, they, that was just for them. That's their assault kit in the military. I carry grenades on me for assault. Yeah. If I'm not assaulting something, I don't necessarily need to use them. Yeah. We don't carry them because we're civilian contractors. Um, mm. So, yeah, when they started throwing grenades, I was like, right, we're, we're pretty exposed here. They know where we are. We are now fixed. Mm. Because they know exactly where we are, so we need to do something. Um, and we're not, there's only three of us, and one of us is injured. So my best option was right. Let's take a defensive position in this building here. I can give myself first aid, and then we can now organise someone else to sort of backfill me, and we can then push on with the assault and push on back and try and push them back further. Mm. Lo and behold, that's what we did. A bunch of my team teammates. Uh, Carl and Danny, my two fucking best oppos, they came looking for me. They gave me the support in that position. They boosted my numbers up to five. But yeah, five of us. Um, we then, Danny then engaged another insurgent, killed him. And then we waited for, we sort of went on lockdown. We went on lockdown because of the visibility. We don't carry night vision. We don't mm -hmm. carry torches and laser on our weapons because they're not issued. It's deemed it's not necessary, so they don't, and it's, it's a cost that they won't pay out. So we then went into a defensive posture, which is not great. You know, what, you know, part of what, defense, what, 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 what does that mean, def defensive posture? So we, we, everyone was told to lock down in position, no other movement. So the only people that will be moving is the Taliban. And then we can see who's who and we can engage them from our sort of yeah, defensive okay. positions. But, you know, um, one of the principles of defense is offensive spirit. And I think we lost that. It felt like we felt, us operators felt we lost that offensive spirit. Uh, it's a military team. It's, a, it's one of our principles we work off when we're going into a defensive camp. And we felt like we lost that. We got it back. We got the aid of Afghan special forces came to assist us. And also, apparently, it's, 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 it's sort of in the Afghan law and what we work off as security countries that we can't go into these assaults. We can't form assault groups and do attacks. So they then called in the assistance of Afghan special forces who then cleared the other insurgents or the other two insurgents out. Mm. From there then, I was casually back through the hospital chain, Kabul, Dubai, back to the UK. And that is an overview of what happened and, and how I ended up back in the UK, mate. Mm. Thank you for telling that, mate. No problem, mate. No problem. Thank you for telling. I think um, I'll put a link to your show where you talk about it in more detail. Yeah. I, I encourage people to go and listen to your show anyway because it's 
but that one's not that one's not a funny episode right but generally it's 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 a hilarious show but i think um if they want they they should listen to that in more detail um but all of that so all of this happened well you know from, from the moment of the 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 assault starting and then it kind of you you getting out of there you what the way you when you tell it, it it feels like maybe it's like you know 10 minutes this is several hours this goes on over right the clearance operation took 10 mm. and i was from the point of me the point of the attack to me getting to a hospital was seven hours so i gave myself initial first aid which was i made a fist to keep my finger in my inside my hand mm-hmm. and i wrapped a face field dressing on it um, i had fragmentation wounds on my other fingers so i had loads of frag in my hand as well yeah i had multiple wounds to my hand i just put a face field dressing on it battle dressing uh, I switched hands with my weapon, put my weapon in my left hand, and that was me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, seven hours it took me, and I think about 10, 11 hours till I got into surgery. Yeah. So it was a long night. It was a long night, you know, and it was full of morale. It was full of, I had a couple of, I think, I went into shock twice, and I recognized that. Never yeah. been in shock before. Mm. I went into battle shock, and that was just through blood loss, injury, the shock yeah. of, Getting like when you see the movies, people get shot. It's, I don't know. It's it's not like that. They either they get shot and they carry on and go, yeah, fuck, it didn't even hurt. And I can, or they get shot and they like wriggle around on the floor. Have you seen that movie, Lone Survivor? Mm, Where, maybe. Okay, it's a movie about the four Navy SEALs up in the mountains in Afghanistan and Lone uh, Survivor. Yeah, I'll, one of I'll the Navy it. Seals. It's amazing, really good, man. It's 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 Hollywooded up. Don't get me wrong; it really is. But the sounds on it are very good. Um, it it looks cool. It looks cool. You know, any sort of military guy would pick it apart, and we do. But there's a bit where the one of the Navy Seals he gets shot in the hand and he loses his thumb, it's hanging off. Yeah, and he go. You can see him go into shock. You can see him going into shock, and he made more noise than me. I didn't make that much noise. I was like, motherfucker. I, sw- I actually swore at the guy. I was like, you motherfucker. A fucking grappling hand. You fucked my hand up. You actually, yeah, you actually said that, right? Yeah, I shouted yeah. at him. I was like, you fucking piece of shit. I was more pissed off that I couldn't grapple no more. <laughs> I had grappling that night, you know. It was meant to be training. <laughs> so, yeah, it didn't. It, it felt weird. It felt like I'd been hit really hard and my hand just vibrated. It wasn't like pain like we associate with... We're being our hand on a on the hot water or something yeah. like that. Jam our fingers in the door. I initially described it as that now, but it's not like that. That hurts more. Yeah. This didn't hurt that much. It, it didn't. I was like, whatever. But I had a couple of moments of shock. One yeah. much once I was doing my battle dressing and I was on the phone and I felt quite safe. I had a time where I felt a bit whoa on the phone to someone. I had to pass it off. Yeah. And then another time when I I think it was more of a little bit of a panic. I had this really bad pain in the inside of my rib. And at times when you're shot, you can get ricochet inside the body and you can get internal injuries and you don't really know. Mm. You can't be seen. You get internal bleeding and dying. I I had a panic about that. And I was thinking about, I thought, I don't want to die yet. Yeah. And my family, you know, without the husband and dad and, I died on a shitty, because I was in a toilet. I was in a toilet. I don't want to die in this fucking toilet tonight, man. It's a shit if I die here. And I've done my, we do the checks, you know? You do your initial check, then your secondary survey of the body. And I did my secondary survey. I checked myself for external bleeds. I wasn't. 
And then what I did, I got the guys to get the head torch on my, on my ribs to see if there's any internal. There wasn't. I don't know what it was, uh, but it did show up on the x-ray. So they thought I had a, a tension hypothorax. So we have had a punctured lung. But we mm. ruled that out in the end. They're like, you probably would have been dead by now if you did. Been that long. Yeah. So, we don't know what it was. I love, I, love, I love that assessment. No, I can't be that. You'd be dead by now. <laughs> yeah, it's cool, isn't it? I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Because I, I was buzzing off all the doctors. I was like, fuck. Yeah. So I was like buzzing with them all. I was like, let me see. Let me take pictures. And they're all like, well, you're mad. But I gave them, I did. I told these before. I got off. The British military were amazing. Uh, the Afghan military were amazing. The Norwegians, the special forces that helped us out. The fucking, I can't commend them guys enough. And I cannot commend the operators who were with me enough. I did nothing, mate, that out of the blue. Any of my, the guys I operate with, my close friends would do that, what I did every day of the week. It's not a big, big deal. Um, the guys who sort of don't have that sort of outward sort of persona about them, who are there just to do a job and, you know, they'll do what they need to do, what it says in the book. Nothing beyond. Them guys did beyond that night too. Yes. And, I commend every one of them. They're amazing. And I say, some guy that night had to stand on a corner behind a wall or something, and he had to look at nothing for all that time. For 11 hours, plus all the days when he went into a defensive perimeter in case there was another attack when the camp was destroyed. That guy was equally as important as me being the point man in the assault group. Every man's got a job. Not every man can can be involved. And I feel Mm. sorry for the guy who has to just sit and look at that wall or look at the dark and the mist it's boring it's shit and you'd always want to look over your shoulder because you can hear what's going on yeah but you can't because something might happen at your end so i commend everybody they were amazing there's a few people who didn't show up that night and I, i'm not embarrassed and i'm not afraid to say that there was people there who need to bow their heads in shame yeah. and some of them have done that and some of them haven't and some of them have just gone whatever i don't care anyway but that's up to them they can live with that yeah. and the, the guys who did what they needed to do did what they needed to do, and they, and they were amazing. Yeah. I, I got, one of my mates, Lee, he, he was involved in the sort of clearance off with the special forces. He led them, he guided them into what rooms, and he does all the extra training with me. We do a lot of uh, skills training, uh, room clearance drills, um, dynamic room entries, threshold assessments, and a lot of people don't do it because they go, oh, what's the fucking point? It's never going to happen. They have that attitude, and it's disgusting. Um, I won't name names, but there's people who do that. But like Lee had just been just spent like two days doing a lot of this training with me about a week before, and he was like, "Oh man, I'm so glad we did that training because if fuck, I did it all night for the whole like ten hours. I was doing that with them. So you know, guys like him, fucking amazing guy. Mm. Yeah, love them, mate. They're brilliant they are. Um, and everyone else who helped me, the doctors were amazing. But I did what well, I was getting to. I got off the, I got out of the back of the, it was paratroop regiment, three para, top, amazing British force. They picked me up. They took me to the hospital, looked after me in the trucks. And then when I got out, this, um, this, this American came up. Hey man, hey, this is my American accent, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, Americans who listen to this. Hey man, get this guy a fucking wheelchair. And I was like, fuck you, <laughs> fucking wheelchair. And I'll walk. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't let him, I wouldn't let him put me in a wheelchair. I can walk. I kept my weapon to the last seat. I kept my weapons till I had to go into the hospital where he took them off me. I wouldn't let them take my weapons. And some British special forces colonel just tracking back by about 40 minutes. He's like, um, 
this guy's like guiding me out. He sort of guided me out because I was injured. I'm like, we've got we've got the injured guy here, the British. His name's John. And I was like, oh. And he's like, huh, a bloody scouser. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known you would have even been in the fucking mix. And I was like, yeah, fucking right. I've got my weapon and I'm good to go. And he's like, well done, son. So, yeah, we did ourselves proud, the guys from Liverpool there. If, you, if you're British, you'll get that. If you're American, then I'll have to, you won't get I'll, I'll have to do another podcast just to explain that. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, everyone who was involved that night from the doctors, everyone was still amazing. Fucking brilliant, man. And that's it. I'm back home now. It's done, dusted. And I'm on the road to recovery, hopefully. There's, again, thank you, right, for telling that. Um, I, I really appreciate it. Um, I think and, you know, a lot of people will enjoy listening to that. I'll encourage people to go to, the, to, to your show as well. There's a lot of directions we could go. Right? I, I've been making... <clears throat> just so you know when I'm looking off camera I'm making notes right I'm not I'm, I'm not I'm not you know on Facebook saying who's 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 this wanker chatting <laughs> Lawrence have you took the chicken out the oven oh, fucking quick text the wife back dude it's 10 to 8 in the morning <laughs> there's no chicken in the oven right now um it's like oh, where where are the car keys um but there's a bunch of directions we could go in this right and i definitely want to talk about the recovery and you know you getting back into into training and how the hand is um but one of the one of the things i want to kind of touch on real quick just looking back over my notes we could we could go down any of these areas right and maybe i'll do a little bit of an intro kind of you know on my thoughts on this but you know after after we speak because what you think i think is more important here but um you made you made a lot of references to retelling the story and not to try not to kind of you know belittle anything that happened at all. Um, I, I don't want to make it sound like this um, and try to draw comparisons between what you did and, and say grappling or fighting because you know that's you know a passion for all of us. But there's a lot of things that you mentioned that um, you know task oriented um, when you have task orientation. So you're not focusing on the result, you're focusing on the process. Um, you know, quick judgment calls based on trained decisions. Uh, you know, the principle of defense and an offen- offensive spirit. Um, knowing where you are in a fight and then knowing whether you need to kind of you know, go forward, go back and reset. And I think there are a lot of um, like the defensive posture. There's a literal, a literal reflection to grappling, but I think there's a lot of things there that I just want to kind of call it out. Um, that a lot of things there that you can you can if you, if you if you break down what you're saying you can go well I can structure my grappling and my fighting and my training in that way and I, I, I'm not I, I want to be very you know co- conscious of I'm not trying to draw comparisons between the two events it's it, it's a world of difference but I think there's you know any opportunity to learn and, and and look at how people deal with these extreme high pressure life or death situations it can be translated into many different areas of life you know if you know kind of where to look. So I really wanted to call that out. It's um, funny you say that. It's not funny. I knew what you were doing there when you were sort of writing notes. And I knew certain words, key words I was saying, yeah. will resonate with grappling because it does. And I think like that also. Mm. Uh, a long time ago, I wrote something out. Um, I, th- I don't want to get this wrong now. Uh, the the sec- So when you're in the military, we have a, there's a small group called a section. It's like eight men. And then that section is part of three sections that make up a platoon. And their sole job or one of their main jobs is as an attacking force. 
But that attack is broken. When, they, when these guys, this section does an attack, it's broken down into a set of principles. Um, I will forget them, right? Anyone in the military will fuck me now. I'll forget these in the wrong order. But the first one is, and I've wrote these out as how a fight will play out in fighting, in grappling. In grappling, okay. In grappling, yeah. So the first one's preparation for battle. That is what we do. Your preparation for battle is your training. Is your yep. food, your diet. Is your alternative training sources. You know, your strength and conditioning. And, and you can do prior to the fight. But we do that in a real fight. We prepare for battle. We make sure our weapons are all up. We make sure our ammunition's correct. We're not carrying too much weight, which we always do. Making sure we're hydrated. Making sure our grenades in the right pouch. That's the same as what we're doing before we go into a, into, before we go into a competition. Mm. So the next one is then um, reacting to effective enemy fire. So when we're in, the, we're in the fight now, it's how we react to what our opponent's doing. The next one will be locating the enemy because the enemy's fired us. We've got to find them. Okay, so now I've got to find an angle. I'm reacting to what he's doing. I've got to find an angle of attack now. How can I best attack this problem I've got in front of me? The next one then will be winning the firefight. So now I have to apply my game against his and win. So my game's got to be better than his. The tools I use in my game have to be better than his. And then the reorg. So after I've won, after I've, after I've beat this guy, what do I do next? Okay, now I move back. I get more ammunition. I fill my water bottle up. I get, eat food. I prepare myself for the next battle. Well, that's the same as after the comp now. I go but back. E but even within a grappling sense, that cycle could repeat itself within a fight. It does, well, it does. It does. It does yeah. as well. The reorg might not be yet. We might then go back into reacting to effectively because we may take one position destroy that and then that whole cycle happens again and again and again and that's you going from one match to another to another to another yeah so i yeah. a long time ago i thought like that and i tried to mirror image what i did on a sort of career level and in a war fighting mentality and that's why you know i put a lot of my stuff that war fighting mentality where we talk about it all the time and mm -hmm. and how it can how it gives you an advantage as a grappler. It really does. You, you can use this cycle over and over again and break it down like that. If, you, if you've been doing it all your life, it transitions well to grappling, in my eyes. I, I, I've told you this offline, but I think, and it depends how comfortable you are kind of doing these kind of things. And, you know, it's not everyone is, but that, I think there's, there's definitely a book in there of taking these lessons and breaking it down and like all of the stuff that you've talked about here it's you know the the, the tech the technique is one thing but having having a framework a decision making framework with which to apply that technique is when it becomes really effective and i think i you know as you know you, you've been grappling for a decade and you know maybe maybe longer and you know similar for me and i'll, I'll it's going to be different for you because of your background, but I'll do it now and again, and I'll think about it that way, but not in a, in a, in a structured way. And it'd be really interesting to think of, to interview some top level grapplers and to see if they, you know, indirectly think about and structure it in that way, you know? I'm sure, I'm sure they do. you've just picked out all the key words, what I mentioned before. Yeah. All key words that you straight away, when you heard them, you went, that's grappling. That has to, that resonates with grappling. Yeah. So 
Do we do it subconsciously? Yeah. Yeah. It's, we could, we could, yeah. And I really wanted, I really wanted to speak about that. Um, maybe, maybe that's the third podcast, mate, and we can kind of break yeah. do a bit, bit more planning, right. With, with that one and kind of, you know, put, put structure around it, but they should definitely, people should definitely listen to you speak about it on your show. But, um, the, the, the recovery then coming, coming back to, to, to the incident and then getting back into grappling, um, you know, you, at one point it looked like you could lose one or two fingers on the hand, but now it looks like that's not the case, which is, which is, which is brilliant to see. Um, what, uh, you know, the, I suppose the, the, the recovery for that is very specific to that type of injury, but what was kind of your, your mindset and approach then thinking about, okay, I know I'm going to be off the mat for a little while. And then when you did get back to the mat, you are, you are back grappling. I am back on the mat. Okay. I'll put it that way. That's a, I'm not fully grappling. Um, yeah. Yeah, as such. Nah, yeah. It just, it just, it. That it's looks like it's. Ready. Yeah, it's not ready. It looks so. Obviously, people can't see what me and you can see, but yeah. it looks pretty much normal now. But this is so. That's me grip, mate. That's all I can do. Yeah. So my my thumb and my forefinger work. The other three fingers don't work. So the reason behind that is. When I was shot in the index ring, in the ring finger, yeah, the tendon and the ligament were destroyed at that yeah. point in the skull. Yeah. So what happened was they retracted into the into the hand. Yeah. They all worked together, so it pulled the other ligaments back and yeah. the tendon back. So that's why I can't make a fist because they're under stress and tension. Yeah. So these are not because the thumb and the and the finger there they work together and the other yeah. three work together. So it's not allowing me to form this grip. My finger now, from the scar, what you can see, that is fused bone. There's no yeah. knuckle, the knuckle got totally destroyed. So what they did, they put a K-wire into the hand mm. and in the hopes of we could save the finger. And, what, and we did save the finger. It's, it's a bit shorter because obviously the bone was destroyed. It doesn't look the same, but there mm -hmm. is a finger there, but it does not bend and it won't bend. I can bend it from the knuckle in the fist, but the sort of knuckles in the finger don't work. They got destroyed totally. Is there a chance that that will recover? So, yeah. So what's, what's happening now? I've been, there was a, a period of no therapy at all because the injury was so, mm -hmm. it, it, it had to rest. Um, and people will know this. If you're injured, you're told, you know, you, you've got to rest, rest. And the sooner you can get onto physiotherapy, the better. But when it's a traumatic injury like mine was, you can't do that. Yeah. Just literally know you've got to just leave it. Yeah. Because what you need to find out then is what sort of feeling have I got? What nerve damage have I got? It's mm. very, it's very complex. It's a complex injury. So there was a, it's only recently that I've just had, I've had everything sort of taken off all the bandages <coughs> taken off. Uh, the K wire was taken off after about, I think about, about six, seven, eight weeks or something like that. Mm -hmm. The KY was taken out. That was painful as fuck. If you want to see that, I think it's on me. I think it's on. I think it's on me Facebook. I think okay. It's not okay. It's, I'll send you it later. It's yeah. disgusting. That hurt more than anything on this planet, and Ooh. I didn't even expect it to happen. Luckily, my mate Carl was there. Carl was nearly in tears. He went, "Fuck that." It, there's no pain relief, not. And I was I only went in there for a checkup. He pulled this wire fuck. out of my hand. No, it's not like a, a wire, like a bendy wire. It's a rod. 
He pulled it out with a set of breeding work pliers that you get in a toolbox. It was disgusting. <laughs> oh, it's wow. A great, it's a great minute to watch. It's amusing. I don't know if I want to. Oh, it's horrible. I'll do it for you. I'll watch it for you. Oh, horrible. So, yeah, that was tough. Um, and it, it was tough for a while because it was, it was very painful, very emotional. Mm. Because I, all I wanted to do was get on the mat. It's all my yeah. aim was getting on the mat because I knew it would be good for me. And like you, it's, it's just the biggest part of my life, part of my mm. wife, kids. It's what I love the most. And yep. I was so worried about not being able to do that again now because I've got time to think. And yeah, okay, I'm not going to be... The thoughts of not being like the same operator again, that wasn't entering my head at that time. It has done now a little bit, but I just wanted to train. I wanted to grab one. I thought, this is a fucking brown belt, man. And this has happened to me. Yeah. And looking back, it's probably the best time for it to happen mm -hmm. as a brown belt. Because I'm never going to quit. Now, if it happened to me at Blue Belt or something, I may not have ever got on the mat again. Yeah. But once you get, I think once you get to Brown Belt, you're in there for life, aren't you? You're yeah. So at least I know now I'm never going to quit, no matter what. Um, my friends helped me out a little bit through, through a bit of humor. Fucking the new John Jacques, you were calling me. <laughs> and that, but it, it was good. It resonated. I was like, if that fucker can do it, so can I. Yeah. You can grapple like that. So can I. Yep. So the recovery process was a lot of waiting about doing nothing. Heavy doses of medication, which is not good. You know, lots of implications with the meds, you know, um, lots of sleeping, um, lack of sex drive, uh, in constant, you know, you, you not, can't go to the toilet properly, all these yeah. little, little things that happen when you take these heavy meds and then coming off them. That has its own set of implications too, because that was wild. I had a, a wild five days there. Yeah. Of craziness of no sleep and emotion, highly emotional and extremely sensitive. Um, yeah, that was, that, was, that was crazy. But now I'm sort of on an even keel again. Um, I'm under now uh, physiotherapy with the hand clinic in Whiston Hospital. So I'll give them a shout out. They've been really good. Uh, a lot of therapy at home, you know, no. you know not so much the balls. Yeah. Well, so I've got like, I've got like a, a strength physio sort of grip, which is good for building strength. But what they want me to do is try and get my hands in here, even though they know it's not going to go past a certain level. You know that. Yeah. But we've got to, we've got to try because at some point, I'll, as I'll explain in a bit, I will get that motion back. So, so I, have it has to, I have to be ready to do that. So they've got me on some like little, little weak sponge that you could do that with. And I was like, is that it? Is that yeah. all? And they're like, no, no, John, you don't realize what it's, it's there, it's designed for. It's designed for me to try and squeeze it as much as I can. Where the stronger ones don't allow it, it's building strength. Yeah. Um, but the, the, mm. Sorry? No, I, 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 I'm just trying to think of the physiology, but uh, no, you, you'll explain that later. Um, sorry, carry on. Uh, so what the plan is now is I'm on the waiting list. It's what I have to do. To, it's, I'm not getting treated privately. Um, so I'm with this excellent hand clinic up in mm -hmm. Wiston. They're, they're at the top of the game. And what will happen next is I'm going to have a surgery on my palm to go into my tendons, my ligaments to sort of adjust them. And then the, the consultant, the, the doctor, Dr. Bell, he is going to fuse my finger at a bent position. Right now it's straight. Yeah. And it will never bend. 
So for me to form a proper grip, because the little finger and the ring finger work together, my, my little finger won't bend. So he's going to fuse my ring finger, which is injured. And that will allow the grip to form. My little finger will then follow. Yeah, okay. When my hand's straight, I will have this little weird finger sticking out. But at least I can make a grip, which will allow me to train, allow me to grip a lapel, etc. Um, but it will it will stick out slightly when my hand's straightened out. So uh -huh. that will that will then cause its own problems. Yep. Because sometimes you need a straight hand. Yep. So we're sort of in this limbo. That is our best option. The only other options were knuckle replacement, either from my toe, which was extremely complicated, mm -hmm. uh, a rubber knuckle, which is a sort of just Sorry. one that can just get it in. It's okay. Hi. <laughs> um, but they said they don't last. They last, they said they're great for old women, um, but they'll, they'll break in a year with a man of my age doing what I do. It'll break. Yeah. Now, no, the, the whole aim is to be a back to grapple 100% and being able to control my weapons safely and be able to handle my weapons and do my job properly again. Do you, have a, time, you have a timeline for that goal? Or are you, are you able? You, no timeline right now. The doctors yeah. don't even have a timeline. Yeah. You haven't even got a timeline for the waiting list for the up. Yeah. If that is un unsuccessful, we go to option one, which is the quickest and effective. Take the finger off, leave it at that. Because once the finger goes off, you can then adjust the tendons and I can make a fist. Mm. The only problems I get with that is it looks stupid because I look like a pirate with one finger. And you look like a pirate. Up. You look like a pirate anyway, Matt. Fantastic. <laughs> and I can't pick up grains of rice. Well, I don't often pick up grains of rice with my hands. Yeah. So I'm not fussed about that. Uh, aesthetically, yet it won't look great because people will see I'm missing a finger. But that's the, what the surgeon said is, why go to that option when we can do everything else first and we can always go back to that? Because once yeah. you take the finger off, we can't try and put it back on again. So that's where I'm at. I'm at home. Um, I am back into training now. Um, this was a sort of weird spot I had because... Because I am under sort of the, the company looks after me for my sort of welfare right now because yep. I was in work, as any other company will do. And I was sort of worried about them going, well, oh, you're training, you, you can work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you see me training. And we'll bring it onto like the social media thing again in a bit because I didn't want to see me on social media. I'm thinking, oh, well, he's 100%. Right, give me a phone call. You're meant to be sick. So we had a chat with the HR. I explained to them, you know, this is a, the doctors, the doctors as a, has advised me to come go back onto the mat and train again. It's good for the mental health. Um, because obviously men's health right now is extremely, it's in the spotlight right now. Mm -hmm. and people suffering and veterans suffering and stuff like that. I'm fine, but they don't want me to go down that route. Yeah. And they know it's a positive thing to be back on the mat doing yeah. what I do. Yeah. So I'm on the mat in some sort in some capacity. I'm going to be start coaching and coaching now. Well, I know I coach my own team in Kabul, so I'm going to start coaching at home. Yeah. So I'm getting looked after by my by my coach there, Chris Tomo, from Nemesis Grappling ASW. Shout out, uh, he's the man. So I'm going to help. I'm going to jump on the coaching team with Chris and start teaching classes. Um, not on too advanced because I can't make the grip. So fundamentals classes, stuff like that. Uh, so I'm really excited to do that. I'm really excited to be a part of it. I know it'll do me good. I know I'll feel a lot better being able to do that. 
But if I knock it at any time, like I've knocked it around the house, the more, as it heals, mm. the more you do, don't you? You know that. And I keep knocking it and it'll bruise and bleed. And you don't, you obviously can't see now. It's, you get heavy bruising on it. It was bleeding out my nail the other day because I knocked it on something. I think I yeah. fast, you know, when you run up the stairs, slipped on the carpet, put my hand out instinctively. Yeah. Knocked it. It was swollen for days. So I've just got to be really careful. I put a red glove, MMA glove on, a training glove on. And that, yeah. that is like the indicator of don't touch my fucking hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm back on the mat. I feel awesome for it as well. That's I really good. Do. I really do. It's so training is so positive for me. People don't understand when, when you're going through something so bad and so tough and it doesn't have to be jujitsu, just doing something that you love and how it will make you feel. Just the endorphins again and mm. the positivity around me. I, I'm not even looking at it as an injury. I'm just looking at it as another obstacle. This is what will make me better. I will get past this. I'll be better at the other side. Don't let this stop me. And I'm trying to be a positive. I'm trying to do this positively on social media too. Yeah. On some days, you know. It's hard. Yeah. In my own way, in my own unique way, the fucking injury shit and all that. And, you know, but I can see it in my own team. What I, I overheard one of the guys say the other day. He was like, I wasn't going to come in tonight because I sprained my wrist. But then I seen John on the mat. And I'm like, well, how can I stay off the mat? I'll take my wrist and this motherfucker's yeah. on the mat with his hand in a mess. So no excuses, eh? So if I can give, if, if, if this can be positive to someone, mm-hmm. other than my, you know, then, it, you know, great sounds. I'll take a bullet for you. You know, I'll bring some positivity into your life. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's probably going to happen to us all at some point for whatever reason, whether it's short-term or long-term, where the body is not going to be able to physically do the things it does when you're in your 20s and 30s. And, you know, a lot, a lot of the things that, you know, you're talking about and, again, kind of making notes here, you know, it's not jujitsu doesn't have to be just about you, yourself, rolling hard and competing. You know, the, 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 co- the coaching of other people as well, right? Um, is a huge way. Like I'm sure you, even though you can't make some, you know, some of the grips, you can still tell people to make those grips, right? You can still pass that knowledge on. And I think it's going to happen. It's going to be inevitable to all of us at some point that we're going to, we're going to, we're going to hit a wall where there are certain things that we can't do on the mat. And we're going to have to look for different ways to still be involved in jujitsu. Yeah. We've just, even I think we're doing, we don't do much spider guard in our gym. That's not what our gym's all about. Yeah. We're a, we're a heavy wrestling based, top heavy game, you yeah. know, big leg lockers, but a lot of grinding. Oh, hugely skillful, hugely skillful. But we make sure we cover everything. Yeah. It's very well rounded as well. So we don't always cover like spider guard, but we'll spend like, we've done two weeks of spider guard. And it's more for, if you like it, fine, the, the, Chris will cover it. But it's also, a, most. it's mainly for if other people are using it against you. Yeah. So we were drilling that. Well, how can I drill spider guards with my hand? Well, we figured that out. That's fine. I will grab your sleeve, but you can grab my sleeve for, for when I'm drilling the technique. Yeah. And my opponent just helped, my teammate just helped me do that. Mm. It's the same concept. We're still there. Yeah. We still, just, we still, had, my, we still had connection. We still connected together. So I could then carry out the, you know, the spider guard sweep. 
easy. Yeah. We just figured it out in seconds. And, and what we've been doing is I'll work in a three with someone. And the stuff I can't do, I just step out. So at least they can still drill. Yeah. A bit and we go back into a three and we work as a three. So my teammates and I only go with the, the, the better guys jump on with me. Yeah. And I'll jump in with them and they can sort of look after me as I'm drilling and stuff like that, making sure I'm not getting swept over silly on me on my hands. Because obviously I can't base out, I can't put my hand out the base. What yeah. it has given me though, my balance is coming on really well. Really? Without using my base here, yeah, my core. Even mm. though I've lost a lot of physicality because I haven't been in the gym as much. Yeah. One of the one of the problems with coming home right now is is trying to get uh, sort of get a routine, because remember I only spend three weeks at home and I'm back yeah. into work. Yeah. I'm more, so but so now I feel like I'm on this extended three weeks, but it's madness. So I'm trying to find this routine. So I haven't fitted the gym in where you know I've explained to you how hard I train when I'm in Kabul. The gym yeah. session, mental. We're always training. I've had none of that. So physically, I've changed slightly. Yeah. But what has got better is my 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 stability, my core stability. When someone's got I if someone's got hold of this hand, my, my good hand, I can't use my left hand. I just keep it out the way. Mm. Well, I'm still not getting swept onto that. Anyone can sweep me there because I haven't got a hand to base. But my core, my stability is really good now. I don't base out, I can't base out. Do you do any do you do any exercises off the mat to help with that? Or are you able to do any exercising off the no, mat at the right moment? Now I'm just I'm trying to just yeah, I'm literally, I've just start. I'm starting the gym next week. Okay. I've been to a few gym sessions, but like where I'm like, no, this is going to be structured gym sessions now. Yeah. Strength again to get my strength back. Yeah. And again, that's, a, that's another problem because I can't grip the bar. Can't yeah. grip. It's yeah. dangerous. So I need to be able to use machines. Yeah. Because the machines are, uh, if I drop the bar on the machine, that's fine. I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be limited to what I can do in the gym, but I'll work around that. It's not a problem. I know I've been in the gym long enough to understand what I, how to work in the gym. So I know what I can do, know what I can't. But I haven't done any specific training for that. It's just something I've found training mm. with the guys. I'm like, wow, I should be getting swept that side there. I'm not. When normally I would put a hand out the base. When normally I would rely on that to base out. I'm not now. I'm just using my core more. That's interesting. It's a bone. It's just see you find when you have these injuries that you get better at things. And I say this all the time. People think I'm nuts. Everybody should get a, a real injury once in their career because it will make you better in your game somewhere else. You'll find something else to do. You'll find it enhances your game. Mm. And and I did that when I had that ACL the ACL tear. I found my open guard became fucking dangerous and real good and very rare. People pass my guard now and because yeah. it's so good. And now it's the same with this. Now I'm finding little things that where normally I would put my hand out to stop myself falling. Actually, I didn't really need to put my hand out because I never relied on my core then. I was relying on my hand to base out. Yeah. I'm relying on balance and core work to keep myself upright. But people could replicate that quite easily, right? Just by putting one, one arm in your belt and not... Some people <clears throat> don't use your hand this round. See what it's like. See what yeah. it's like. Don't spar now with just one hand. Yeah. And at first, it'll blow your mind. You might, you might want to get a, a Colt 45 to your brain and pull the trigger because you go, what is this? Who fights like this? But I'm having to. It's the case yeah. of having to. So, I, yeah. I, the, the, the biggest injury I've had is I tore, tore the, 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 the pectoral major away from the shoulder in, my left, on the, in the left shoulder. And um, 
fortunately with the treatment I had, it recovered really, really well. But for a while, I couldn't use I couldn't use one arm, and it's you know it's 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 it's, it's a different injury. But it, I think you know making it relevant for everyone. There's always I think there's two lessons here, right? There's there's always ways to work around any kind of little injuries you've got do it you know do it smartly right i don't want to come across like oh yeah just go and train regardless be smart about it obviously be very smart about it but find ways to put yourself at a physical disadvantage as well and you got and you know purposefully proactively do that and you can get a lot of benefits in terms of you know the development of your game yeah out. Out. so his um question i want to ask you is has it? It's, they're kind of tied together, right? The, the psychological side of this and the physical side of this. But it seems like it's the psychological side of not being able to do what you love. It seems to be harder for you than the fact that you've got to go through this physical process. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And it, this is something that's been a conflict with me because I thought I was extremely strong mentally. Mm. I, I thought that was one of my strongest attributes. Um, and I'm finding that, yeah, it is tough mentally. You're like, wow. Because I'm like, fuck it. Militants is in it and straight down the line. Let's push, push, push. And now I'm like, wow, man, this is a struggle. Just struggle mentally. I want to be where I want to be somewhere else mentally. I want to be able to do these things. And I just can't. It can't. It's, it's silly things that mess with you. You know, silly things. It's like, Butter and piece of bread. I can't butter a piece of bread. Yeah. My hand doesn't work on that angle. It's cracked the other day, cracking an egg. Cracked an egg, it went everywhere. And it's your right, you're right handed, and it's your right hand that's injured. Yeah. Yeah. So even just doing them mundane tasks that we take for granted that we don't even think about, I couldn't do it. Now, try to do a complex move in jiu-jitsu using your hand that you can't use it's just uh, you just want to pull your hair out sometimes mate you really do it's a struggle mate it really yeah. is it really but i've got a good support network i have and this there is things i can do yeah there is things i can do and this is why i say you've got to be well-rounded man you've got to be well-rounded in this game you can't rely on one thing because one day you'll get taken away from you in, ju- in jiu-jitsu or life in or both jiu-jitsu. In, in both, it's parallel in both. But mm. for jujitsu, you have to be well-rounded. Because what happens when you, your whole game is spider guard? You are the the UK's answer to Keenan Cornelius. You love worm guards. You love grabbing lapels. And one day your hand stops working. What are you going to do then? When someone just passes your guard and puts me on face, destroys you. Have you watched? I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got another game. I can play lots of games. So I don't need the grip. I don't have you have you watched? Oh, I forget the name of the film. The one with the film about Stephen Hawkins. I have not no. Dude, it's like I I you should, I think it's it's, it's it's a great film, right? And obviously you know who Stephen Hawkins is, and you want and you watch that, and there's this guy who's. You know, a ma- is he a master or who's a, f- a physicist, a scientific physicist, physicist yeah. right? A scientific genius, right? Let's call him that. In one of the best universities in the world. And his body just start, just 
after the degrade and continues to stop working. And they would, they told him that he would die by the time he was 40. I think he lived until he was late seventies. I need to check, but <clears throat> he's like, fuck this. I'm going to keep going. Right. And he continued obviously with like, you know, with, with the right health from people just continue to go and continue to go. Right. And it's that, that ability to go, well, you, you, okay, you, you, you take that away from me. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to go in this direction now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and then you've got to look at it, like from my point of view here, is this ain't the end of the world. There's people worse off than me. Yeah. I know I, I shouldn't relate my injury to anyone else's, but there is. There's people worse off than me. There's a, there's a young gentleman, mate, who's on, do you know who Ryog are? Shout out to Ryog. Yeah. The Royal, the Royal Marine sort of um, BJJ sort mm. of organization. And they've got a young Marine there who's hurt in Afghanistan and he's got no legs. Yeah. He's like half an arm or whatever he's got. And he's on the map training, white belt on. That motherfucker's in a worse state than me. Yeah. He's there doing it. He's doing it and pushing it to the limit. So can't really complain, really, can you? Mm. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely right. It's always perspective, right? Comes under perspective and what what you know what what perspective you put in it. You know, sit sitting here listening to you speak, right? Obviously it's your situation and not mine, but that's how it you know, it seems to come across is what how you perceive the situation has a massive input in terms of the way that you know you feel and react to it. Yeah. I'm trying I'm trying to one positive thing is I'm trying it's setting an example to my kids. Yeah. It is showing them that life's shit, right? You can shit things can happen to you. I had this conversation with my young twelve year old today and Wow, we had this amazing conversation. We went swimming this morning. And I said, right, you do some lengths as well, because I could get on the pool first swimming session, because I've had it all wrapped up and stuff. So I've got to swim in. I like to swim. Yeah. Got a swim session, did some lengths. We did some underwater stuff. And then we, we got out, we went for a cost there. And we we're just walking to the gate. Oh, hey, Dad, you know what? You're a real man, aren't you? And I was like, what? You're a <laughs> real man. You look like a real man. You act like a real man. He goes, you're my hero. Do you know that? And I, he goes, and I'm so happy I can say that to you. I was like, wow. I said, that is, that, that is the best thing that's ever came to me from anybody. And I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. And I'm using this as a vehicle. And I said to him, life shit, bro. I said, you can't, you have these obstacles, but you've just got to keep pushing through them. You can't let something like this or anything else stop you from doing what you want to do. I said, and I want to be amazing at jujitsu. I want to be so good at it. I want to love it and be passionate about it. I said, that's what, that's what it's me inside is pushing me past this injury to keep doing what I'm doing. And he's like, yeah, I know. I know. And if, if it can be a lesson to them that these things can happen to you in the blink of an eye, but it's not over, it's not the end of the world, then, then that's sound. It's worth having. Definitely worth having. Yeah. Yeah. Are they so... Swimming seems to be one of those. Uh, maybe is something. Are there other things that where you're going to go? Ah, oh, do you know what? I, I've got more time, and I'm going to get in. I'm going to get into X, Y, and Z a bit more, and you know, just just maybe just change, right? And change is not always a bad thing, right? Mm, exactly. I, I'm not yeah. going to go swimming in that pool again, though. Why? Swimming in there, man. <laughs> Mate, there was like, there was kids everywhere. I was like, that's my boy, man. You got piss all over you. Them kids are all pissing. They're all pissing in this pool. I know they are. And then we had a plaster, some kids' plaster was on my hand. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, it's disgusting. We only did 40 minutes and got out. We've got, we've got a, in our community, in our community, right? And this is really common in, most, in a lot of parts of America, is we have a community pool. So, 
you know, but like I say, a thousand houses, you've got one pool, right? It's, it's a nice pool. But you go in there and every maybe 45 minutes, they have an enforced toilet break. So they'll sound like a, an alarm and, and they'll get, everyone's got to get out for like five, 10 minutes. So, so the kids are not pissing in the pool. They're probably still pissing in the pool, but maybe they're less likely to do it. I'm going to give you the secret right now. I piss in the pool too. <laughs> so if I'm doing it, them little bastards are doing it too. Because I'm an adult and I know it's wrong. So if I'm doing it, they don't even know it's wrong. They're definitely pissing. That's how I know. That's how I know it's a guarantee. Because I'm doing it. I sit there and go like that. <laughs> or I do it on one of the kids' backs when I'm playing around. <laughs> and just whisper, just have a piss. <laughs> Get off. I'm disgusting, aren't I? I'm disgusting, aren't I? I, I'm always paranoid because I think there's liquid they can put in the pool that when you piss, it turns purple. Ah, mate, they are wives' tails. I'm onto that. <laughs> I've tested it. I've, te- as I, I've tested the waters. Oh, man, that's funny. That's funny. I'm, sh- I'm shit at swimming. I'm shit, I'm shit, I'm shit at swimming. I'm um, shit on top, but I'm good under. Or underneath the water. I would have been a good Navy SEAL. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I'm good underwater. On the top, it bores me. But if I'm underwater pushing a brick around or or trying to hold my breath, hypoxia stuff, I'm I'm into that. You do you do you do breath hold training? In the pool, I do, yeah, yeah. Uh, but with the swim, not just not just static. I need to do it with movement because it's not the same. Yeah. Static, I'm not using any 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 sort of motion, so I can use the oxygen better. But when I'm pushing and swimming underwater, yeah, I, a, I like to do a lot of that. I don't know if you've heard this story, but there's a guy. I, I heard him on on another podcast, um, and he was using the Wim Hof, the Wim Hof breathing breathing training, and he's doing it, and then he's swimming underneath the swimming along the bottom of the pool, and he's going along, and he's got this state of euphoria which you can get from those kind of breathing methods, and he passes out, pa- passed out, and was luckily someone found him on the bottom of the pool, and he was like like this close right to just dying. Just, just being dead at the bottom of the pool. So like it's, that. Um, it's kind of like getting really like choked in it. You have that euphoria and then you pass out and you die. I reckon you, that's what it's like. You've given me a link into one of the subjects that I wanted to speak about. Um, but anything, anything, anything else you want to talk about in relation to all this other? No, man. Just, you, you, you set it up. You had the, you go and I'm with you. Yeah, no, um, you know, but I, it's I wanted to, to to give 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 that story and everything justice, right? Because I think it's, you know, we'll I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it, and I'm sure everyone's going to learn a lot from that. But I've got a what's name? I'm going to change it in a sec. I've got tipped. Is it tinnitus? Is that the word for it? Um, tinnitus. Is that tinnitus. It? tinnitus? Yeah. So I went for a hearing check the other day because um, my I was all off balance. I had lots of uh, short term memory loss. And I assumed it might have been a TBI, traumatic brain injury. Um, but they ruled that out. For some reason, they ruled it out. And they put it down to audio, the hearing. So I went and did a hearing test. So the blasters left me deaf in the, in the left ear. But I've been getting these mad. It's fucking mad. It's like these electric shocks in my head. Wow. So people can't see me now, but I'll show you what I look like. I'm like... <laughs> I look, what the fuck's going on? I get this white noise. And then I get these... And what it is, or the doctor f- seems to think it's the nerve endings are firing off. And that's yeah. what's making like, it feels like a little lightning sh- shocks. Yeah. So having this, having this in the ear is busting me up a bit. So I might switch it in a minute if that's okay. Yeah. I'll go, you, you do know, that. I'll go, no, 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 we'll carry on for now. 
it's all right for now, but I can feel it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I might it over in a minute. I've got about thirty, about another thirty-five minutes, then I've got, I've got to start my, start my uh, real job. Well, let's but, do um, it then. Let's, let's fire through. So, talking about fucking hands all night. It's boring. No, it's like, uh, no, I, I could talk about it all night, right? But you did give me, you did give me a link into one of the things I wanted to talk about, and it's going to be interesting to, because it's so recent. Um, blah 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 right whatever I just want to talk about it and um, you said about being rear naked choked and someone that got a fucking awesome rear naked choke on the weekend have you seen the Cron Gracie fight wow yeah amazing we are both jujitsu heads right so everyone that's a jujitsu head is like oh Cron Gracie is oh, this is amazing and we're happy to see it right Cron is obviously the son of Hickson there's a lot of a lot of context behind why it's a why it's a big deal if you're a jujitsu fan, but there's been a lot of uh, backlash is maybe the wrong word, but the people that are not big jujitsu heads and Ben Askren is one of them, and you know he's a yeah he's a well qualified person to have a very well qualified opinion right um so absolutely, the comment is. Um, I need someone to pull the quote up for me, but it goes along the lines of, well you know you've got eight eight current champions or recent champions that were wrestlers um, and no one really mentions wrestling or in the same way but then Cron Gracie wins, wins one fight and everyone is ah oh, jiu-jitsu for life um, but let's let's talk about the fight actually first of all what did you think about it? I thought it was great yeah I, I thought it would go that way it was very I don't want to say Damian Meyer-esque but it was and it was very jujitsu. It was a. It was what. It was a one guy who specifically is amazing at one skill level, at one skill set, and that that it, for him is jujitsu. He is at the peak of the mountain in that one. He's a specialist in it. Where Alex Calorexis, that's how I pronounce his name, is a very well-rounded guy, very flashy, but he doesn't seem to be sort of you know highly specialized in one area where cron is mm-hmm. and he implemented that one aspect of his game very quickly and it was over really quickly for me bravo i can respect a wrestler who can go in straight away pick you up hold you down beat you up for five rounds i love john fitch people always thought john fitch was boring as fuck i loved people getting mauled by him he implemented his game and it was beautiful. Same as the way Khabib does. It doesn't look sexy. It doesn't. It doesn't. I'm sorry, but it doesn't. To the untrained eye, it's not like we're trained. So I can say, and I can appreciate the wrestling. But what Crone did was very sexy in my eyes. Yeah. He implemented that one aspect that he's amazing at against all of Alex's skill set. I loved it. It was brilliant. It would. Can I just add how many Please. people take the backs these days, especially in MMA? People take the back, and in 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 someone like Chrome and in someone like Marcelo Garcia, it's ninety nine percent done. The fight is done. The other one percent now is just sealing that choke off. It's done. They've got you. It's game over. You're not going to survive. Oh, I've lost you. Hello. Yeah, we're yeah. off. Yeah, we're not. That's good. We're good. So. In MMA, you see people take the back all the time, and it's not done. The escape, 
because they're not a specialist. They're not a back specialist. They're just MMA fighters, very well-rounded, and they train their jiu-jitsu three times a week. Crohn's on that mat all day long. Mm-hmm. That's why you got choked out. That's why when he took your back, every jiu-jitsu guy who knows Crohn Gracie knew it was 99% done. It's done now. It's over. This, he will get the choke. It's going to get finished. Not everybody can do that. I, 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 I thought, I, I, I was watching it, and I, it was... The fight was beautiful. Um, and for the people that haven't seen the fight, what you know, what happens is that you know the, the bell goes, Cron um, adopts almost a bit of a fencing stance, some similar to halfway between what GS how GSP's fighting stance, and a little bit you know akin to how Hoist Gracie you know stood in the early UFC fights. Um, at least was my take on it. He threw threw a couple of strikes. Threw a couple of strikes um, at at Alex to force him to cover up um, and clinched and clinched with Alex. He then kind of worked around to kind of half around to the half around his back, hooks a leg in between his legs, and he's there for about five ten seconds. Gets Alex to the ground, gets the back, and then finishes from the back. There's a bit more details in there. You need to watch the fight, but that's pretty much what what happened. He never lost position one one single time and even the striking is it's all pure jiu-jitsu people think that there's no striking in jiu-jitsu and when we train jiu-jitsu there's no striking in it but if you're training jiu-jitsu with self-defense in it that's basic self-defense jiu-jitsu you're not you're not trained to be a striker even though you looked at potentially you could have good striking you're trained to throw enough strikes and defend enough strikes to get into the clinch and once you get into the clinch, you find a way to control the person, get into the ground. And maybe in self-defense, you go to knee on belly and you get away, depending on the situation, or one-on-one, you finish the fight like Cron did. Um, and I think you touched upon this, where people have maybe the misconception that once you get on someone's back, it's easy to finish someone. Um, I'm a black belt, and a number of occasions when someone comes into jujitsu, and this happens more in Nogi, than, than in the gi but in, in nogi if you get someone who's physically strong around your size and is really fighting the position it's by no means guaranteed that you'll finish the position in that way take that one step further and think that alex is a pro mma fighter he's had 20 fights just in the ufc alone um let alone all of it all of it all of his all of his fights and i've got i'll give a shout out to two guys that i train with both ufc fighters uh jalen turner and Roosevelt Roberts. Uh, Jalen just came off a, a brilliant knockout win in Australia. Roosevelt, um, his win a few months ago, the most vicious highlight reel gu- uh, guillotine I think I've ever seen. Um, shout out to those guys. And I'm tra- and, and they're you know they they they're good grapplers. You're very good grapplers. Both both uh, both purple belts. Um, and I know how hard, incredibly hard it is. I don't think I, I, I couldn't do that to those guys. I could not do that to those guys. So I know what it feels like to fight. And I'm, I, I outweigh them by 30, 40 pounds. Um, and I know how incredibly hard it is to maintain control on someone who's a trained fighter. And that's just in the gym, not when they're going full tilt in the ring, that full fight or flight kind of mentality. So I, I think there's, you know, the comments that Ben Askren made, I think, you know, a fair comments. And obviously he's got a lot of great experience with which to make them comments. But what's, what was so fascinating was not that 
Cron won. It was the way that he won and how he did it without ever giving away a single inch. And I just want people to appreciate actually how difficult that is to do against someone who's just physically strong, let alone a trained fighter. It was amazing, mate. I, I knew it would go like that. I did. I did. And you're exactly right how hard it is to control another human, especially, like you say, if you're doing no gi. Well, imagine when you're sweaty and you've got tops off, even more so. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the gloves where hand fighting is now extremely hard. And now it's also hard for you to lock off that choke because mm -hmm. the gloves are getting in the way of you sliding it in. Mm -hmm. And he did it. And it didn't take him long either. Yeah. <clears throat> I, was... I, don't, I don't think, right, hail the Messiah, this is the new champ. There's more to fighting than, than that. And there's levels in fighting. And Alex is up there. Yeah. But there's levels of fighting. Will he do that to Max Holloway? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Maybe you will. Mm -hmm. Maybe. But it's yet to be seen yet. I'm not ready to hail Crone as the next future champ. But he, is he was amazing that night. And that choke was fantastic. I don't think the win should be overstated. I don't think it's now Jiu-Jitsu conquers all. But it, but it shouldn't be understated as well. What you know, The significance of that fight when you appreciate how difficult it is to do what he did in the way that he did it. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It was awesome. Big up to jujitsu there. <laughs> jujitsu, jujitsu. Yeah. That's what people that people used to do, man. That's what people used to do right in there, back, back, nah, back I'm in the old like days. That, man. I'm um, I'm not all. I I, I do jujitsu. I call everything. I do jujitsu. I'm a grappler. You yeah. know, I like the grappling arts, and that's what I do. I still I put a kimono on every day, etc. But you know. I like that hybrid style of having it all. Bit of everything. We um a good friend of mine, Joe Norderbar, um, Norderbear, I always mispronounce his name. He was uh he was on a couple of couple of weeks ago, maybe last year, um, and he runs a school out in Mallorca. So if you ever go down there, make sure you train with him. Uh real, really cool guy. And he gets the he gets the the people to do four or five sprints across the mats as part of the warm-up. And obviously, it's a good physical exercise, but it's also when you think of fighting and self-defense. And we were talking talking a little bit about the situation that um, your uncle got into, right? Sprinting is actually an incredibly effective form of self-defense because there are times where you just want to get the fuck out of there. Number one, I brought this up the other day. I did a humorous sort of little video for Instagram. The fight, flight, or flop. I fight, right flight, there. or flop. Okay. Yeah, it's a new one I've just heard. I heard flop the other day. Do you want me to... <laughs> I'll go into it. Fuck it. Yeah. So I watched the BBC video that was on, that was filmed. Now, this is a real serious subject, and I I didn't give all the details to this guy. I just used it as a vehicle for some, some humor in a real serious subject. This guy had been raped. And serious subject, but he said he, 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 he had the, the instincts of fight, fight, but he didn't. He had a flop instinct, but he just lied there and just took it. Wow. And uh, yeah, I, I I didn't know about this flopping, and I, I'm like, look, you either learn how to fight or you learn how to run. Yeah, fight or flight only. Don't flop on anything. Just go. 
And I think the easiest one to learn is the, is the flight. It really is. Just learn mm. how to run fast. Just get on the treadmill and learn to run fast. If you're in danger, run. That's the first rule of self-defense, I think. Apart from being able to identify there's a threat, um, you know, and being self-aware of where you are. Yeah. Now, if there is a danger, then just run. All right, your ego takes a bit of a battering. Fight, fight, or flop. I haven't heard. Neither have I. I think it means freeze. He said flop on this thing. And I was like, don't be a flopper. Uh, I think he means freeze. Don't laugh. <laughs> yeah, I, anyone can't see this. He's laughing here. I'm not. So, I'm, yeah. Don't, I, don't be a flopper. No, it's, a, yeah. it, it's a serious subject, right? It's it is, but it amused me what he said and how he phrased it. Fight, flight, yeah. flop. I didn't give this whole story, so I wasn't like bugging this guy or nothing like that. I would never do that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Just, I used the I used the the subject fight, flight, or flop as a subject for a bit of humor and telling people to get got you know learn how to fight or learn how to run. But you you see that in that's a very different situation, right? Where the consequences are obviously incredibly severe. But you, um, if you if you apply fight, flight, or flop to jujitsu, there are often times in a competition, um, in training where you feel the person give up. You did like, get it in the match training. So yeah, so yeah, maybe yeah, free, freezing is one. Maybe freeze and flop is kind of the same thing. But you could maybe even say, well, freezing is just kind of literally not. Well, flopping is not doing anything as well. But it's flopping is almost like when people give in to you, right? And it's that I've had that in competition where I can feel the person. There's a point where I can almost you can feel the tension go out of their body, right? And you go, yeah. That's it. Game over. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, maybe, um, maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. Yeah, I haven't I haven't I haven't heard that. Um I hadn't heard it and it's it just like, oh like, what? What the fuck? But self yeah, self defense I think is important for me. I I'm I'm thinking about opening the school now later this year and kind of making making plans making plans for that. And it's you know, jujitsu, jujitsu is great, right? And, you know, competition jujitsu is great, but most people don't want to compete. They can't compete, whatever the reason may be. Um, but then you talked about, yeah, I don't know, I'll, I'll leave it up to you how much you want to talk about this, but someone that you know that got into an altercation at an older age and then decided to start jujitsu, right? And it's, okay, brilliant. You're coming in there. You know, what's more valuable to, to, to you? Is it spider guard or is it showing you how to control distance um, and potentially not, not yeah, land, land strikes, but at, le- at least, you know, how to deal with strikes in a way that you can get yourself into a position of safety, whether that's getting away or, or a control over someone else. And, um, and that stuff is, we, I'm fortunate, we do, we do a lot of stuff for that at our school, and we did, did a fair bit at my old school as well. But um, I know a lot of people, a lot of people don't, right? In the fight, there's, the fight starts almost from the moment that you recognize you're in potential danger from another person. Yeah. You're, hopefully you're fortunate enough to recognize that, right? And you don't just, don't just kind of get jumped. Um, but that's when the fight starts, not when you kind of just touch hands and, and then, you know, I, I should hope that most people wouldn't, wouldn't pull a guard. So I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm really, I'm big on that stuff. I'm really big on that stuff. And I find it, in some ways, more interesting and more exciting than um, you know, a lot a lot of elements of jujitsu. 
can I just plug this in, in a power source into this? And then I've got something that I'd like to mention on that, if that's okay. Yeah, please do that. I'm, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick, then we'll, okay. we'll carry on. We've, uh, we've got a guest in here. <laughs> my, my, young, my young, so my, my daughter, yeah, she, uh, hey, say hi. hi. Say hi to John. Hi. Can you speak? Do you want to appear on the, on the podcast now? Say something. Say hello. Who's that? It's that's John. That's John. Hello. Hi. She, she can't. She can't hear you. Who's that? Now she can hear you. Hello. Say hi. Hi, baby girl. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? She's like you're not. You're not Nana and Granddad. Hello. What is she saying to me now? <laughs> oh, really? Well, you're you thin now. Right. Let me get rid of her. She's beautiful, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. I'm sure she's mine. <laughs> Edit that. Did your wife hear that? No, she, she looks so much like me. Yeah. It's almost like she's not my wife's. But anyway, give me two seconds. No problem, mate. We've got another guest. Yeah, but I'm on a phone call. Hi, Jeannie. Hi, Jeannie. Hi, the, I, was wondering who was, I was wondering who was playing guitar because I couldn't see anyone. Well, mate, what, what I've done, mate, for the people that geek out on this stuff, I've got a couple of guitars around. Um, I don't know how much you know about guitar, but there's... You play guitar? You play guitar? Do, do, do you know what no. an open... Oh, mate, we can, we can do... Oh, oh, mate, I've got to show you the I amp. I right <laughs> oh, Yeah, I can, that's got to fucking kill you, mate. Um, uh-huh. But I'll show you the amp I bought the other day. Oh, I'll, shit. I bought, bought, a two, I bought my first tube oh. amp. Mate, I'm not at your level, no way. Look at all that. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was mean, in a band years ago. Really? Yeah. I was in a band called The Coda. The Coda? Yeah. The we end. Cool, man. In the army. Yeah, we were in the army. We're That's army pretty band. cool. You know, yeah. you, you know what Coda means? Yeah. Yeah. The end yeah, of a yeah. musical piece of music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, it is. No, so the end. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so I put, I put, um, I put the, the guitar... This one is in, in an open tuning. So any note, any string that you hit sounds good. And I've done that with my oldest has got a guitar, like a, a Fender, like a small mini Fender that my, my parents bought. So yeah, I put that in an open tuning as well in the hope that they just hit it and it all just sounds good. So hopefully it encourages them to... That's funny. You're like... I, got I put my kids... I, got, I hadn't played for a long time because uh, my mate was killed. He's played drums. He's killed in... Uh, ID blast killed him, and there was four of us, two twins, and my mate, and then my other mate. And we never played again after that. Just didn't yeah. feel right. So I yeah. put my guitars away for a long, long time. Only got them out last year, mm. and I put them away in about two thousand eight. Got them out last year. Started to pick it up again. Can you hold? Play. Can you? Can you hold a pick? Uh, yeah, but my fingers get in the way. Yeah. So I couldn't really strum. So I'll, yeah, I just once I, once I'm up and running, I will pick it up. You know who Django Reinhardt is? No. He's a he was a jazz he was a jazz guitarist. And he um I don't know what the situation situation was, but he lost some of his fingers. But listen to his listen to his stuff play. Django as in D J A N J O Reinhardt. Oh, I'll check that out. Incredible stuff. Well, we've, oh, man, we, we could, oh, man, we could geek out on that. But um <laughs> we, what we were talking about, we were talking about self defense and then yeah. And you so, said you. Yeah, 
I, we don't come from a self-defense school. Um, I prefer it that way. I feel the best martial arts for defense, personally, is Muay Thai. I feel like that because the fight always starts at distance. Mm -hmm. And Muay Thai is a very aggressive martial art. Mm -hmm. And it's all about inflicting damage with the hardest part of your body to knock your opponent out. From, so that's from my, my point of view is I don't want the fight to get that close where I'm in a grapple match. Yeah. However, if it does, and statistically, a lot of fights get into the clinch and get on the floor. They just do. So, therefore, I need to be able to wrestle, and I need to be able to submit someone on the floor or control them on the floor. But before that fight happens, it happens at a distance. Now, unless I'm a good runner, which I'm all right at running, then I want to be able to throw my... I want to be able to have a good level of striking. And I don't think in jiu-jitsu self-defense that that level you need is covered that much because mm -hmm. it then becomes a striking school. Yeah. Where the main focus is strike to the clinch, clinch to the floor, floor, submit our opponents and get away or control them in sort of that manner. So for me, I'm glad we don't cover it. And if it was my school, so it was, if I had my own place, then yeah, I could do certain aspects of striking. But I would always say, look, you really want to protect yourself. Go and learn some sort of striking that will accompany you if you're here. Yeah. Go and learn that. Go to another gym and find someone who specializes in it. Like I specialize in strangling people. Let them give you the information. You then take that information. You come to me and I'll give you the information for when it's gone wrong and that striking doesn't work and you're now in a real fight point fight with someone you're on the floor mm. yeah i also think if you do a self-defense you've got to teach distance management recognizing threats um you know understanding uh alternate routes of access so how to find how to recognize where you are how to escape recognizing all these things you know uh how to deal with being in a car and having a threat at your window, you know, all parts of self-defense, that's self-defense to me. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's my security job in my head then. And my military head comes in. That's where I get all that from. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's good enough to go, well, we're doing just self-defense on its own and we're going to strike to the clinch and that's what it is all, you know, holding the hands up, you know, open palms and then, you know, attacking an aggressor or being defensive and escaping. You need to teach them ever, all the other aspects. But then you've got to be a specialist in that area too. Yeah, you don't want to... Yeah, it's a tough one, right? Um, you water things down then, otherwise you're watering something down. And I don't want to knock... I don't knock anybody's jiu-jitsu and what they cover. And, and, and my mate runs a self-defense academy. That's it. That's what he does. He's a hoist Casey academy. And they solely... You don't do competitions or nothing like that. It's all about you know, self-defense and stuff like that. Uh, and that's cool, man. Oh, great. That's what you're after. Cool. And my, my, our academy might not be the right fit for my uncle. It might not. Might not be what he's after. Yeah. But again, try it and, and let him try something. I don't think it's just that incident he had. I also think it's an age thing. He's, you know, he's a bit older now and he wants to really do something. And I talk a lot about community and family and friendship. 
when I anytime anytime I talk about my my school where we train at, all them things come up. Mm. How amazing the people are, the community, this friendship I have with these people, the family aspect of what I do. I bring a lot of that up, and it resonates with him, and he's like, "Wow, I want that too." Yeah. So I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, watering down, watering stuff down is is is, is a bit is a big thing. That you know, don't get me wrong, right? You know, ninety percent, maybe more of what we do at, at the school I train at is more focused on on sport jujitsu. Um, but with you know, quite often we'll talk about you know how it lends itself to a fight situation as well. Um, but I think you can. <sighs> Yeah, it's, it 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 is right. You can specialize in one area, and let's look at let's look at let's use guitar as an example because we because we've been talking about that. Um, I used to try to learn any song that I like, I, you know, that I that, that I I heard a song, you know, on the radio or otherwise, and be like, oh, I want to learn that song. That's a cool song. I just used to learn songs, but I made a decision about probably about a year and a half ago, two years ago, and it's like, no, I want to be a blues guitar player. And in particular, I want to be, you know, blues in the style of the way like Jimi Hendrix played blues. Um, because you've got the more traditional type Delta blues, which is a lot more finger picking, more open tunings, that kind of stuff, which I'll, I'll still touch upon and play other stuff. But I've, I, I've pretty much pushed away most, not all, but a lot of other stuff because I've made the decision that I'm going to be specialized in being a blues guitarist. And there's a lot of stuff like, you know, my song, my friends may want to play kind of like a more of a rock type metal type song. And I'll play along with it. and I'll have fun with it, but I don't go down the rabbit hole of, you know, okay, I'm going to learn metal now. I'm going to learn all the scales they play for metal and, you know, those kind of techniques. And it's made me, I think, focusing on one area of guitar playing inadvertently has made me better in the other areas, even though I don't focus on them because I've, yeah. I've got to focus and I haven't watered down my guitar playing. Um, and maybe if we link that back to jujitsu and, and kind of fight in and grappling and self-defense, et cetera, that, you know, you can still be, be very good at one area of grappling and still use that in a self, in a self-defense environment. Yeah. But I still think, I still think that self-defense is, I don't think it's separate to jujitsu. I think they can, you can still cover, even with just a five-minute drill as part of a warm-up at the start of each class, you can cover enough basics that people can. They may not be an expert in all the aspects of self-defense, but they at least know enough of the basic things to do to survive 80 to 90% of most situations. Yeah, yeah. I, I explained to my uncle the other day, he put the key, the key on for the first time. I explained that, that, you know, he's like, oh, why do we wear this? And I was pretty much, well, as far as I'm aware, what the Japanese wore, that's with their normal day, everyday clothes. <laughs> you know, that's why we're wearing it now. But it, it then went into, you know, you're training in a sports aspect in judo. Should we still wear it? I said, but look, it's got real life applications, but this is someone's coat. And um, we were just doing like the 50-50 grip, collar on the back of the elbow, each of us doing that. I said, that's you holding onto someone's hand or the back of his arm so he can't move and you're holding onto his jacket now. Yeah. You know, I said, so even though we were doing a sport class, I can, you can easily, can you, you can just explain that to people. It's no problem. I love like anything to do with the top, you know, like side control mount stuff. Yeah. 
we're doing sport jiu-jitsu. People are mostly in our gym. They're all doing it for sport. You want to be good at it. And that's great. That's cool. But that still has a self-defense aspect. You can now see how easy it is to punch someone at this, from this position who are mm-hmm. untrained. Or when you do get mounted, when you are trained, how easy it is to stop someone punching you as well mm-hmm. by controlling the arms and et cetera, you know? So yeah. it can be done. The, the, the self-defense lessons can still be learned in a sport you get through school. And the positions that you get the most points from are designed because it gives you the most control of your opponent where you'll be able to inflict the most damage yeah. and, and receive the least amount of damage yourself. Uh, yeah, I don't believe, like you see somebody like, the people who are very vocal about self-defense mm-hmm. and they, they say, oh, these, these world champion sport jiu-jitsu guys couldn't last in a real fight, blah, blah, blah. I, think that, that, I don't believe that for one minute. So what this guy is amazing at, uh, I don't know, reverse De La Hiva, et cetera, et cetera. You're telling me this world-class athlete, world champion, is not going to be able to defend himself with the rest of the jiu-jitsu on the, in a speed back fight. He's, yeah, he's got the sense not to go into some sort of inverted guard. He's not going to do that. That is a game for competition because that's what he specializes in. But before he specialized in that, he learned all the other aspects. So I'm sure in a real-life situation on the street, he's not going to go inverted on the back of his head, you mm. know, risk getting crushed. He's going to go to, back to what he knows, which is the rest of his jiu-jitsu. You just don't see that in competition because it's not his A game. Now, why would that guy go onto the mat and not put out on his A game? Specialised in that because it works for competition, mm. works for points. However, he's still been doing jiu-jitsu for the last 10, 20 years. So the rest of his skill set is still there. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a massive amount of translation and just the fact that that person is built and physically trained as an athlete is a, is a massive asset in, it, in itself against most people because most people are not going to last more than 30 seconds in a fight. Exactly. Well, yeah, let's bring up what we mentioned earlier on um, in the thing, the, the altercation where Half and... Mm. Flavio, um, Flavio Almeida. Flavio Almeida. So... I've read a comment today about that. Cause I, had a little, I, I, I did see it. You mentioned it to me before as well, didn't you? You sent me yeah. the link. Before. Yeah. And so I did see it anyway, because it was all over the news. And someone made this comment on one of the threads, like, well, you know, so much for his jujitsu. Any real black belt would have defended that. And I was like, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Doesn't matter how good your jujitsu is. If you get hit blindly, and if you look at the video, he's not looking at half. His hands are low. He's not expected to be hit. It doesn't matter who you are. You take an elbow by any... It didn't have to be half crazy. It could have been me or someone else or some white belt doing that to him. Yeah. The, the, the outcome would have still been the same. He'd have ended up on the floor getting smashed like he did. The, which you, you talked about situational, situational awareness. And the situation for people who haven't seen the video is that Flavio Almeida is leaning against the barriers at the Nogi Worlds in 2018, watching the match in front of him, stood next to his girlfriend, girlfriend, wife, or I think, um, arms crossed, leaning over the barriers, like a lot of people do, leaning, at, you know, leaning on the barriers, watching any sports event, and he's got another black belt next to him. And I suppose, you know, there's, there's, you, you can't hear what's being said, but I should imagine that the situational, situational awareness in that situation is, well, 
yeah, I'm having an argument with someone who's, who's another black belt, but you've you know, maybe a mutual level of trust that this guy is not going to just drop an elbow suddenly in my face. There is a, that's a very different situation to him, potentially, I'm going to make a guess here, being having an altercation at a bar, sat at a bar, maybe a similar situation, right? You could be sat at a bar, you could be watching a sport on TV, and someone starts you know, being aggressive towards you. I, I'm sure in that situation, his awareness, he's going to be turning to the side, putting the palms up, creating some kind of that barrier and distance and being prepared for that kind of fight. So it's, look, there is no perfect martial art that's going to solve, solve every you know, single situation. If you think there is, you're watching too many fucking superhero films. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it, was, it was a pretty rough, rough situation. Um, and I don't know where, where I was there that day, but I didn't, didn't see that. I heard about it afterwards. Um, and I've, I've met, I met Flavio Almeida at a, a seminar once that he was doing. And the most, like I don't know him, right? So I'm only commenting based on, you know, one minute worth of interaction, but such a nice guy, right? And you just go, fuck, you know, it's a bit, a little bit rough for that to happen in that way. Yeah, no amount of self-defense training, no amount of skill, no, no, no matter what color belt you've got on. If you are, if you feel you are safe, which he obviously did, he felt yeah. he was in, in a safe environment because why wouldn't he feel like he's in a safe environment? Like you said, his girlfriend, black belt, his friends are with him. Yeah, he's just had a bit of back chat with, with another guy, but he's comfortable. He probably knows him anyway. He's comfortable enough to go, all right, no problem. Yeah. So no matter self-defense will, will, will save you in that situation. You're going to get yeah. hurt. And, and that's what happened. You got really hurt, so. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that was sucked, man. That sucked. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm unfortunately, I think I'm out of time. Pretty okay, much. Bro. It's cool, man. Yeah, but we've got like, I know we like, there was some other, some other story. Let's talk, let's talk really quickly about this, this. A story I don't, I didn't know until someone else told me the other day, um, and I think people should know about it. Is there was an incident in Kenya about two months ago, and supposedly this person either does or used to belong to the SAS, but no one's ever going to confirm that, right? They can't for obvious reasons. And the story goes, and this, honest to God, sounds like it's 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 written for a film. Sounds like a film script. So this guy is in Kenya, and he's there apparently training their special forces or their security forces. And he's near a shopping mall, not far from Nairobi. Uh, when a terrorist attack occurs in the shopping mall, um, and the, you know, they start taking hostage, hostages, killing civilians, I believe. And this guy is at this mall, and he's at, in, in his car with all his gear. You know, he's like, John, you described the detail of the gear better than I would, but he's but he's got a, he's got a helmet, his guns, his his bulletproof vest, and he this stuff starts going down, and he gears up, and there's pictures of a you know you can never confirm whether it is the SAS, but he's got a balaclava on, and there's pictures of a guy going into this mall and going in and taking out these terrorists and rescuing the civilians, and you you couldn't you couldn't make it up. Fucking awesome, money. Fuck. Yeah, he was he was definitely a Brit. Um, I'm told someone said so, someone I trust said he was a he wasn't two two SAS, which is the re- regular 
uh, Gaza Hereford. He was um, two three or maybe two one. So that's the reserve unit. Okay. So what they do, they they backfill when they're undermanned or when there's loads of tasks on. And I've worked with these guys before um, on on certain taskings, and so, they they're, they're very well trained. That's a, it, that would be the difference of being a red belt versus a coral belt in jujitsu, right? In terms of the level of those training, yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe maybe purple black. Okay, okay. Yeah. You know better than I do. Okay. Yeah, uh, and this guy, I don't know what it, the rumor is yet. He was in his car shopping and he had Zop's kit. Um, someone else said he was a well-established member of the regiment. So he was old school guy. So I don't know if he was regular or, or reservist, I'm not sure. But yeah, he got his kit on and he reacted to the situation he was in. Um, what a top dude unfortunately he was, he was photoed um, loads of pics of him cutting in and out I've, I've heard he did fire a few rounds yeah. um, but you see him getting hostages out yeah that's just a, that's sort of I don't know it's, that, it's called I, think, I call it trained response and I use it in jiu-jitsu trained response I'm mm. trained to respond to this whether I'm on the mat or I'm off the mat uh, trained response it happened and he just did what, he, what he's trained to do the real life hero yeah he is and no one train you know, you know, every day you're not training, right? If I'm on my own, I'm gonna go into the shopping centre and rescue a load of people. It's not that. But the training that you do will will, will help you in responding correct and doing the right thing. And that's what he did. Yeah, he was awesome, dude. What a guy. Yeah. Mega. Mem, I I I can picture it now, Jared Jared Butler playing him in a film. You'll see I'm it now, any at a film part. I need a new job. Dude, there is um. <laughs> dude, I should I should connect you with um. There's a guy called Chad Chad Robichaux who I really need to get on on this show as well. He he's a third degree black belt. I train with him. He's but he runs something called the Mighty Oaks Warrior Program, which is I think we might have talked about it. People coming back from like conflict and helping with that. But he was um, I forget what units he, he was in with the U.S. military, but he's got a really good book called The Unfair Advantage. Um, and there was talk about making a film about his story as well. And I was and I'm like, you should connect with him anyway, right? Because he's a fucking great guy. But all but um, he'd be perfect. He'd be perfect to play to play a part in that film. Right. For all that. Yeah. I'm writing the memoirs, Lawrence. I'm, I'm writing them. I told you, I, may have to, I told you you should write a book, man. I'm writing the memoirs down, man. I am. So I've been involved in loads of stuff, and like you, like you mentioned here, it's not on the same level as what that guy did. But have we got time? Well, you've got to go, have you? You've got to go. Two minutes, two minutes, real quick. I'm just looking at the clock. Ah, no, 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 it's not worth it. We'll okay. It yeah, we can save him. We can keep it in the bag. Keep people, keep it's people another, wanting it's more. It's another war story. Another war story. Dude, but it's similar, to the, it's similar to the Kenya uh, shopping mall, one guy doing something on his own. Mm. Uh, I've had that same sort of incident myself. So, cool. that. I'm sure you are full of stories, my friend. No, it's good. So is that, did you start writing the memoirs as since you've been back or for a while now? No, I was doing them. I, I, was, I was just jotting things down because I thought the kids, when they're a bit older, it's something they can look at and go, oh, because... They don't know what to do. They don't care. They, don't, they, they, they only care about what, what, what weapon packs coming out on the next Call of Duty or they're not <laughs> interested. You know, there's dad. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, so I thought I'll write something down. And obviously with this, what's just happened to me now, that's another big part. And I always go, I'll just wait till something big happens again. Another big one. And that's another cool story. So I'd hate to write it. And then I'm still working. 
and then something big happens and it's done. So I've just been writing little things down, memories and stuff. So I'm definitely going to put them together and see where I can see if I can get something put out there. You should, fam. Yeah, I'd read that. it. I'd read it in a, in a heartbeat, buddy. All right. Um, any, any, any closing thoughts you want to leave people with? No, I'd just be fucking awesome every day. Tell people that all the time. Be awesome. Don't let injury or doubt get in your way of achieving what you've got to achieve. Be exceptional. Never be mediocre. It's another one of mine. Don't be mediocre. I'd hate to be mediocre. And that's a fear of mine is that I'm going to turn out mediocre now. Don't be mediocre. Do everything you can do at the highest level you can. Be exceptional at everything you do. And that's it. That's it. Can I give a shout out before I go? Absolutely. Shout out to my team, Nemesis ASW, uh, to my coach, Chris Thompson, and his promotion, Figure Four Promotions. We do Grapple Fest, Grapple Fest 4 this weekend. Craig Jones, I'll be with Craig Jones tonight. Um, Assault Fitness UK, my boys at Uspatch UK. Yeah, I just want to give all them guys a shout out because they're all awesome people. And the Grappling grappling Life podcast. Yeah, and the Grappling Life podcast. If you don't listen to me, you should. iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, Podcast Addict. I'm on it all. Uh, Tune in. You'll get great guests like Lawrence. You'll get wacky episodes with crazy dudes who want to get on there and talk about assholes and all sorts of shit. Um, Nothing's off limits. We can talk and do what we want because this is social media and we we own it. So, yeah. And they can Uh, find you on Instagram. And they can find you on Instagram. Oh, Instagram at the Grappling Life Podcast. Yeah, check me out on there. And look forward to the Grappling Life brand's clothing line that is coming out soon, run by my wife, Sarah. I love how John is getting closer to the camera as he says this stuff, but it, <laughs> as, though it, as though it makes a difference. It's quite funny. I don't know. I think up, man, on the camera now. It's cool, man. It's, it's, I, can feel, I can feel the energy. I can feel the energy. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to learn how to use this social media now and I'm still unaware, like, you know, I wouldn't just come on and step up. I was, I was advised to come on it to sort of push my brand a little bit. Yeah, some YouTube stuff as well, man. Yeah, I've got some YouTube stuff up there. You can check out the YouTube stuff as well at TGL Films. Yeah, at TGL. I'm going to look Raffling for Life Films. I'm going to look I've for got it. some little docs up there, little videos I've made and some clips I did in Thailand the other week with some of the top fighters. Um, so yeah, check some of them out. No, there's like ten views on them. I've <laughs> met. We've all got we've all got ten ten views when it starts off. We've all got ten views. I think one off. of the films I got about fifteen hundred views. One of them. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna check that out. I'm gonna subscribe. Checked it out. You checked it out. You checked it out. It was the one I did on Chris and ASW. Oh yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, I did that one, and then I've done little clips like in Thailand with with some of the one uh, FC fighters and stuff like that. Just click channel. Oh, special, mate. Try to find it. I'll find it and subscribe if I haven't already. But anyway, mate. All right, mate. Thank you so much. And thank you for giving me the time to come on and chat. And I know we chatted a lot about the hand, but that's what you, I know you wanted to ask anyway. So it's yeah. no problem. And if I get on a third time, we'll talk about other cool shit. There'll be more. There'll be plenty more. Right, mate, thank you so much. I appreciate it, mate. Thank you. Right. Take care, brother. No, wait, I'll, I'll hit stop recording. We, oh, let me, I'll stop recording. Um, that's it. I, I fucked up a really nice finish from John there now because I want to chat to him after real quick. To have, but yeah, thank you, mate. Right, and we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, this has been brilliant. I know people are going to love it again. So thank you. Are we off here?
I'm very excited to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by the Mallorca BJJ Yoga Festival. If you listen to one of our recent episodes with uh, Mr. Joe Nordebear, uh, who is a black belt instructor um, under the Hodger Gracie team and runs and, and teaches jiu-jitsu at his academy in Mallorca, he talked at length about a really exciting festival that he's got coming up in October of this year, the Mallorca BJJ Yoga, yoga Festival. So obviously it's a mix of jiu-jitsu, it's a mix of yoga, and it's going to be for one week in, in October on the island of Mallorca, which is in the Mediterranean. If you've never been to Mallorca, it's an incredibly beautiful island, um, really idyllic, ama- amazing, clear blue water, amazing food, amazing culture, and the weather in October is going to be absolutely perfect. So depending on where you live, if you need to escape the winter blues and get a dose of vitamin D, I've been to the island myself, spent time with Joe there. It's a fantastic place. He's a fantastic guy. But, uh, you know, more than that, you're going to get some incredible jujitsu instruction there. The confirmed people so far, and these are only the ones that Joe's, Joe has announced, uh, Mauricio Gomez. Um, not every, Most of you will know who Mauricio is, but those of you who don't, that's Hodger Gracie's father. Um, so to learn jujitsu from one a person who in his own right was an incredible competitor back in his day you should listen to some of the stories but also would have been a key influence in the success of who is in my opinion the greatest jiu-jitsu fighter of all time that's a person you absolutely want to, to learn from um done a few lessons with him and myself in the past and can absolutely vouch for the quality of the instruction you'll get there also ross nichols uh, you know, one of the the most prominent uh, BJJ black belts in the UK. Ross was on the on the show a couple of weeks ago, and also you've got Daniel Strauss, aka the Raspberry Ape, uh, and uh, both Ross and Daniel, both Hodger Gracie black belts, both prominent uh, competitors in the UK scene. And Daniel Strauss, obviously very unique in his approach to strength and conditioning as well. So, and those are just the three people that Joe's announced. Um, and on, so there'll be there'll be jujitsu every day. There'll be yoga every day. You can mix and match between between them both. And it's it, knowing Joe, the setup is going to be brilliant. There's going to be amazing food there at this hotel. You know, these this guy knows how to, how to you know put on put on a good show. And what's even more exciting is that he's given me a discount code that I can give to you. That you can use to get ten percent off your booking plus 50 euros as a credit to spend at the hotel so if you bought a room for two people you'll get 10 percent off plus you will get 100 euros to spend at the hotel so that's a pretty good deal if you ask me that uh, code is early griff 50 i'll put it in the show description below so you, you know you, you can work past my accent and the other really good thing about um the way Joe has set this up is that it's only 250 euros to reserve a place. So if you haven't got all the money now, you can reserve your spot and you can actually get a refund up until the second, the second of August. So you can put your money down now because there's only 300 places, guys. 300 places and you know, with, with how big jiu-jitsu is in Europe at the moment, those are going to go quickly. So I've, if I was you, I would really, I would snap up the opportunity and get on top of that as quickly as you can. And if you're having an hour and just reserve your space and you've got up until, you have up until April the 2nd to get a full refund. So, you know, I'd advise you to book your space um, as quickly as you can. And then you can always get the refund up until April the 2nd. So I'm going to put an, a bit of information 
in the show description with the the, the, the discount code, uh, the at MBJJ Yoga Fest, the Instagram handle, and also the website where you can go and book. Um, but you know, at the very least, guys, get onto Instagram, follow those guys, and find out what's going on. But I would highly recommend going to the festival in in, in Mallorca. Train BJJ for a week, do some yoga, have a have a damn good time, and you know, fingers crossed, maybe I can make it out there from California as well. But with that, guys, let's get on with the show.